0: Hi, I'm Kenny Duker, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin.
1: everybody and welcome to another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Michael McCall.
2: And I'm Lee Gillis.
1: And we've got another fun-filled show in store for you this week. We're going to be speaking to a man that many of you have requested. Part of the famous promotion winning team at the start of the millennium, well just into the millennium, Ewan Donaldson, a fan favourite. Big favourite of Lee as well, so that's going to be a a good chat that we've got coming up. We're going to be looking at the latest state of play and whether East Fife are going to get back. We're going to be emptying our mailbag, a lot more stuff as well. But before we get into all that, let's just have a word, Lee, about this week's sponsor.
2: And we want to to thank the Phoenix England office um, for an amazing donation, which we'll be putting straight towards the clubs to go towards the GPS vests. So, just a little bit of a blurb. The Phoenix, Office and Lawrence Welsh are proud to support East Fife in these difficult times and would encourage all East Fife fans to help out the club if they can. At the Phoenix, we offer a warm and friendly atmosphere to anyone who comes to visit us. We offer a generous 35-0 measure of all premium brands and have a fantastic range of draft beers and ciders, including Magna's Original and the best pint of Guinness in town. Once lockdown's over, head along to their Domino's Night on a Tuesday, their pub quiz on a Sunday, or for your next special occasion, why not book their function suite for just £149 which includes a DJ they also have an amazing jukebox with over 30,000 songs in it Um, so if you're in the mood for music you'll find what you want so thanks to to the the Phoenix and Lawrence Welsh once again
1: as always thanks so much to the Phoenix for their continued support and once we can get back to normal definitely get out and check them out I know next time that I'm over whenever that will be, target in December but we'll see what happens Uh, I'll definitely be checking them out as to what is happening That is the big question just now. The the last couple of weeks, it's been slightly bad timing for us, Lee, because every time that we've recorded a show, there's been a little bit of breaking news the day after. So we've pushed this one back to recording on Friday night, and fingers crossed that the time that this comes out in 24 hours' time, there's not going to have been any more breaking news, although I'll put up with it if it is some good breaking news. Because we still don't know what's happening with East Fife, League One, League Two. Will they be getting back to playing? There was positive murmurs at the, the start of the week. It was looking like everything was going ahead. They would be get get back to, to pre-season training at some point this month. Restarting the league campaign in March. Maybe extending the season into June. But then it's all gone quiet again the last couple of days.
2: Yeah, um, What's the expression, no news is good news?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm putting it down to that. I'm keeping yeah, my fingers crossed. I'm
2: hoping for that. I'm hoping for that. Um, I think that there, there's obviously signs that are positive, um, particularly that the loan League's not going to come back with the likes of Grant Anderson going to Celtic, uh, yeah. from Celtic to Forfar, And he's a, a good player, so I suppose we, we might need to take something from that that, Right, OK, there is possibilities that the, the Lowland League have heard that they won't restart again if they're letting players of his calibre go.
1: Also, I would not expect clubs to be signing th- players just now if they weren't confident that they were going to be coming back. Otherwise, they're just lumbering themselves with a contract that they, they don't need to have. So, I mean, it is looking like we're going to get back to it in March Still a couple of things though to be decided and obviously things can change dramatically and quickly uh, as we've seen over the the last year as well. The plan still seems to be for a 27 game season. They might be playing every Tuesday, Saturday, they might look at extending it into June. Some folk have suggested maybe just have an 18 game season and then you've got a fair home and away slate, which I've got to say I'm not averse to, it's not ideal because it's a shorter season. And obviously, form, momentum can be big, big things as to whether a team goes up, goes down, makes playoffs, whatever. Extending the season, though, into June, the downside with that, Lee, is you're probably going to have the championship wrap up in May. I mean, it could benefit us if we're in the playoff spots, but like in the in name of fairness, you can't expect the second-bottom team in the championship to not be kicking a football in four or five weeks and then go into a potential relegation playoff. Even if it's a team that we didn't like, it's simply not fair.
2: Yeah, I think that that's where you'll probably find that we will have to play all of our games. Yeah. Um, In the interest of fairness, I hope that we don't just do 18. I think that would be absolutely awful. Um, I wouldn't be a fan of that at all. Let's try and get the the season finished because then, you know... It just means a season would always have an asterisk over it. And if we did go on a run and we got into the playoffs, we would always be thinking, oh, would we have done that if the season had happened in its entirety? So I would rather that we just went for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the uh, players probably...
1: Yeah, I mean, we've spoken to players from the current team and past teams as well. And I think the general feeling is, yeah, Tuesday, Saturday, it's gruelling, it's tiring, but let's do it because we're training anyway and they'd much rather be playing than training. And this is when you need to have good depth. We've talked about it on recent shows, we thought these Five had good depth, now we're not so sure. This might be a case of recalling our loan signings, getting these young guys back, because they're not going to be playing for the, the teams that they've been loaned out to, just bolster yeah. our squad. And it, it's going to be exciting. It's just going to be good to see them on the pitch. And fingers crossed nothing else can kind of derails it at, at this current time. You've got to ask though what it's going to mean for signings because there are going to be a lot of quality Lowland League, Highland League players available. We talked about this in last week's show. You just mentioned them one there. Grant Anderson. Bit of a surprise because it looks like it's a permanent transfer and it's not a loan. Yep. I thought Kelty would may- maybe have been more willing to, to loan their guys out and we talked last week uh, about the possibility of Fash. I would take him on loan. I'd take him as a signing. If Kelty want to do that, that's great. But you also then have to think, if Kelty are willing to do that, there's going to be teams in the Championship that's probably going to be sniffing about him as well and, and keen to bring him in.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a heart-versus-head moment because obviously your heart's like, you know, he'll, he'll come back to his to faith. You know, he's spoken to us about how much he wants to come back to us and stuff. But equally, you know, it's, it's that if you got the chance to go and play part-time at a higher level, would they not rather do that? So it, it kind of depends, really. Um, I would yeah. love I'd love to have him back, I would. But equally, you know, if, if he didn't come back then, and, and it was because he got the chance to play at a, a higher level, then you can't take that away from him either.
1: No, and it really pains me to say this, but see if he signed for Wraith or Dunfermline. I can't fault him. It's like he's got to play and it's like they're, the they're pushing for promotion thing. yeah Paris. Paris, ideally of those two but like even if he went to the Rovers I'd forgive him because needs must
2: and I can't see him signing for Rovers though they've got like six strikers now yeah they should be pretty much okay they've got that Jamie Gullin on loan they've, they've signed a whole whack of strikers to be honest if there's a team that I can see him signing for it actually is the Par's because they're desperately sort of Lacking some attacking options just now, and he would be the perfect fit for their style of play under Stevie Crawford. So, yeah,
1: um, even on a loan deal, something like that. Just and then, like, see what the lay of the land is. He might end up joining them or whatever. But yeah, it'd be great to have him back here. But hopefully, we can get someone because we are going to need to strengthen the squad. If we end up playing twice a week, we need some key players back. We need the likes of Danny Swanson up to to match fitness he's now not got this spell where he can get match fitness you can get fit and you can get match fit they're two very different things yeah and that's a concern because obviously we've got a lot of money tied up in danny and he is a a good player and he could be he could be instrumental in pushing us into these playoff spots but right now it's the same for every other team we're sitting i want to say we're sitting pretty because we've got these games in hand and I must, I'm taking it that we're going to get points from that. Big, big, big assumption, I know. That is, though, also a concern because we've got these two games in hand. So we have to make those up as well as possibly a gruelling Tuesday-Saturday schedule and Scottish Cup. It's going to be a busy time for the guys.
2: Yeah, to be honest, I would just can the Cup.
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I saw Neil Lennon was talking in the... Well, there's a few things we can talk about what Neil Lennon has been saying this week, but one of the things he was saying is Scottish Cup has to get finished this season. And I agree with him. If you're going to have it, you have to finish it this season. If you're not going to be able to finish it... it, Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that true, of course. But if you're not going to finish it this season, I don't think it should carry on in the next season.
2: No. No, I think that... You hope that we've learned a lesson that this is you know, the the Scottish football, so you never know. But, um, yeah, I, I don't want to see that spill on. Let's just try and either can it or, or try and play it. Um, you know, if East Fife turned around and said, look, we, we've got a, a big run of matches coming up, we don't want to be squeezing the Scottish Cup in it and we're going to withdraw, I'd be happy with that. Um, I would much rather that we focused on a league than the chance of getting an extra round in the cup.
1: I still would like us to be in the cup. And we've we've got a decent draw in the next round. Well, potentially, depending on how that goes as well. But if we had one of the big Premier teams, I'd be like, yeah, like let's not bother because we're probably not going to get past them. But we've still got a chance of maybe making a run, maybe getting another small team in the next round and going deep. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see who comes in. Somebody, though, that we're definitely not getting back. Jack Hamilton. Surprising, I feel, getting loaned out right away to our broth, after having a good showing with Livingston. It doesn't make a lot of sense in some regards because I I think he could have been a good bench player there. I guess Livy are basically just saying we'd rather you were playing every single week, every single game. But I think he'd done enough at Livingston to kind of put himself in the picture.
2: Yeah, but then, you know, we knew that they were going to make signings um, and they would made a few when they brought Jack back. They yeah. were just really trying to bring him in for that running games that they had. And I think that they've got the depth. I think I, I do part of me thinks that if we were back um, playing that Jack would have uh, came back to us, um, you know, I, I I would have that hope. Yeah. But, you know, two goals and two for, for our roof. Yep, Our both fans are are raving about him already and you know, the guy's too good for the championship. I personally feel as well. You he, know, was, I, he
1: was too good for us, if we're being honest. It's like he shouldn't be playing, but at that quality, in a normal year, you'd expect Livingston to recall him because yeah. of the form that he's done. Championship's going to be a good level for him because there's some really good teams in there, and he's performing well. Are both on a bit of a resurgence as well? So I mean, it's all coinciding. And he's probably written his name in the history books as, I can't imagine there's many guys that have scored for three different teams in three different divisions in, in Scottish yeah. football. Part of it because in the past you could only play for two, two teams in a season. So I think he might be maybe the first guy, but obviously it could be way, way back many, many other years. But he, he's doing the business. We wish him well. Um, I don't hate Arbroath. There was a spell when we had some clashes with him way back in the nineties that I didn't like our both during the whole Danny McGrain era. But now he's gone to he's gone to a decent side, and if he can, it's nice to see the part-time teams do well in the championship. So if he can keep yeah. them up again, yeah, fair play to him. Let's hope yeah. we don't end up meeting our both though in the playoffs, and then having to go head to head with them.
2: Yeah, because we know that Bobby would score and Jack would score as well. There's nothing sure.
1: Oh, that's going to be guaranteed. As long as they don't celebrate. Well, Bob, Bobby might, but I don't Bobby know. Bobby will. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. We'll keep you posted as always. No doubt something will, will break after we've, we've put this show up. But fingers crossed, we'll be back watching these five soon. We'll be back chatting about games soon. But this little break has given us a chance to return to our roots, return to how we started Get some really good interviews in. And the last two weeks, Lee, Dave Beaton, Craig Johnston, some great chats. And Craig Johnston's, the numbers of people that were listening to that last week, phenomenal. Just showing how popular he is or how many friends he has on Facebook, maybe.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably a good good blend of them too. Um, so that yeah, it was a it was a great chat, and he's he's been a really big advocate of the podcast since, um, and he's been sharing it a lot. And I think that, that definitely does make a difference. Um, you know, if a player quite prominent on social media, then they get a lot of people listening to it. But it just goes to show how well liked they is as well, yeah. Um, and and how much the fans thought um It was over four hundred and fifty at the last time I looked. So um, definitely some of the best numbers we've had in a while. And and thanks for everybody. Um, you know, anybody that did listen to it last week that's now a regular listener, hello. Um, and we hope you enjoy this week's interview too.
1: Yeah, the the chat with Stoney last week it it was excellent. It was one of one of the best ones I think we had and. We've been really fortunate. I think everyone that we've had, the Lockdown's probably helped because I think folk do just want it to talk about some kind of normal life. But everyone we've had has been really good. There's been some really good discussions. And we've got another one coming up for, for you now. A man that spent three seasons, two and a half, uh, at Bayview in total, in two different spells, both of them under Jim Muffet, a fan favourite. Let's bring you now our chat with East Fife left back and promotion winner, Ewan Donaldson. So delighted now to say that we are joined by a man that had two spells at East Fife, featured over three seasons, joined the club in a a great year to join the club, won promotion with them, Spent two years altogether, made 86 appearances for East Fife across all competitions, six goals, made over 500 appearances altogether in Scottish football, 13 seasons in the pro game, then some time in the juniors after that. Welcome to the show, Ewan Donaldson. Thanks We've very much. It, Thanks
2: mate. for having me. We've got to
1: do it. Ewan Donaldson. Ewan Donaldson. Donaldson. You you and <laughs> Donaldson. <laughs> So I will apologise to Ewan and to, to everyone listening that Lee might have a little fanboy episode here and might just completely geek out on you. So when he starts asking you all these personal questions, Ewan, just, just put put up with that. You'll get all the, the serious questions from me, as we've just established, before we started recording this part of it.
3: Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: been a long time and the, the restraining order has expired. So, you know, I had to get him on at some point.
1: That that's that's fair enough. But we're going to take a, a delve through your, your career today, you not just at East Fife, but elsewhere in the game. The highs, the lows, what what you're doing now. But just looking back at your time at East Fife, you you had two spells, as I mentioned, two full seasons, yeah. and then a, another season that that you came back as well. You're you're fondly remembered by the fans and. Often when someone has a a shorter spell at the club, they're maybe not remembered as well. But you certainly made an impact. The fans still talk about you. They still love you. There were ups and downs on the pitch in your time there. But how do you look back at at your time with East Fife altogether?
3: Uh, It was very happy times. Uh, I really enjoyed my football at East Fife. Uh, I think the the teams that I actually played in, we never had any superstars in, in our team. Uh, we were very hard working. Uh, everybody had each other's back, um, and we all just kind of helped each other out. And I think that's where the the success of the, the promotion team came from because there wasn't any superstars, wasn't any anybody above anybody else. Um, we all looked at each other as as equal and like their best mate kind of thing, and I think that 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 showed on on the pitch on a Saturday.
1: I think it did, and it's like when when I was kind of preparing all this stuff for chatting today, and I, I brought up the squad, and but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this later on. But when you bring the squad up, and you're like, you know what, there isn't really There's guys that we look back fondly on, but there were, as you say, there's no one that really stood out. It was a kind of a shoestring budget and stuff like that. Yeah,
3: yeah, there wasn't a uh, the big the big fancy celebrity name. You know, there wasn't that big. Big like, uh, professional, you could say, was was the the a lister of the the lower league kind of thing. We're all on par, I would say, really. Yeah,
1: and it was definitely a hard working team. I think that's a, that's a a great way to describe it. I, I guess workmanship is the is the other way that you describe it. So we'll yeah. get to, to all of that in a in a little bit as well. But I want to take you way back now. What what is your? Well, actually, when you were growing up as a kid, then who 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 did you support? Did you have a kind of favourite team? Did you have a footballing hero that you kind of aspired to be?
3: Well, it's predominantly my, my family's all Kenny kind of Rangers fans. So I've kind of been brought up in the the Kenny kind of Rangers way kind of thing. Um but obviously as I was as I started my career in that with Stennis Muir, then i I've always had a, a soft spot for for Stennis Muir. Uh, there, so I'm always looking for their results in that as well. And, yeah, you know, being been a tight community in, in Stenhousemuir, where my, as I said before, my my son plays there. He's came right through the the Kenny ranks and now playing amateurs. So uh, yeah, Stenish Muir as, as well as, as Rangers.
1: Was there any particular player that really stood out for you as a kid? Somebody that he was like your favourite player? Like going way back for me. I don't think I've ever mentioned this in the show. Trevor Brookin was the guy that I loved because I was a West Ham fan. He's one of the most boring guys in football, I guess you could possibly say. But
3: yeah, I probably, I would probably say maybe like Davy Cooper. I would, mm, I that's would a say it was one. kind of be a, a left sided player. It was myself being left left sided. He was the the kind of guy you could look at to try and get wee tips and, and see how he kind of he played. What's your earliest memories then of light? Like-
1: playing football and at what point did you realise that you had what it took to kind of make it in the pro game?
3: It was actually I think I was about nine uh, I actually went for my first trial uh, it was a local team called uh, North Brumage Colts it was looking for, for players uh, so I actually went for a trial and the manager at the time after the, the trial that night he was like I uh, Ewan, can I have a word? And I said, yeah, sure. Uh, thinking he was gonna say me. I thought the trial went really well, and he turned in and says, uh, "By the way, he says you're going to be, you're too wee, you're too light to for uh, to be a football player. You'll you'll never make a football player. So I'm not going to ask you back." So as a young a young kid, you're you're kind of devastated mm. uh, having to go away back home, and obviously your your mum and dad. Or how did the trial go? You, when have you to go back? And obviously I said, uh, the guy says I, w- I would never make a football player. And they were like, oh, that's that's no good. So I actually uh, went to school the, the following day and the, the janitor at the school at the time, uh, Mr. Frame, he he was asking as well and I was I, I telling him what had happened and uh, he says, well, I've got a a friend of mine, runs Grimson, boys club was a team in Falkirk he says they're looking for players I would recommend to you you go along there and I went along there uh, playing a year above myself uh, first season I actually ended up playing centre forward and scored 67 goals
2: uh,
3: yeah so and that's that's where my my football career started was uh, with Grimson and Falkirk uh, then then progressed, then I can remember signing an S-Form. I was actually training with Hearts and Rangers at the same time uh, when I was like 11, 12, um, and it was old S-Form system at the time. So I was training with the two. Um, Hearts took us to Amsterdam on a tournament. Wow. Uh, we, won, we won the tournament, and they said that there was going to be like four or five of the squads that were going to be asked to, to sign S-Form. And uh, I was lucky enough, I was one of the ones that got asked. So when Rangers were, they go to this, uh, and they says, well, we want you to sign S-Form as well. Uh, and the, the scout that was in our district, he was like, I've, uh, I've actually spoken to Graham soon. I think he was the manager at the time. Uh, and he's he's promised to to give you a, a two-year, I think it was like a YTS apprenticeship. Once your S-Form's, uh, finished, so I was like, that's a, "That's a great offer." I was like, "Well, I think Hearts of I've put more time and and maybe they take me away uh, to Amsterdam for the tournaments and all that kind of stuff." So I actually signed my Hearts S yes, form. Uh, then during that time, the scout in the district changed. I was missing training and that kind of stuff. I was getting mucked Mm -hmm. about basically. And another scout from from Hearts joined Dunfermline and asked me to go for a trial for Dunfermline. So I went to Dunfermline for a week uh, full time and Jockey Scott was the manager. Uh, Went quite well. Then he got the sack at the end end of that week. So hopefully it wasn't because he had me (laughs) in trial. But but the, the scout that was with Dunfermline at the time, he then went and joined Stennis Muir. Then asked me to go, I to Stennis Muir and uh I, I played a reserve game when I was I was only 16 at the time. I uh, got sent off in the when the first my first game for, for Stennis Muir reserves uh, and and thought that was, that was me finished. But luckily enough, I got asked to sign and that's where everything started for my, my professional career from then on. That's, that's superb.
1: Like from doing these shows like before we were, were talking to people, I never had any idea that people bounced around and, like, one night you train with Hearts, one night you train with Rangers, and so many players yeah. have done that. Is, is that yeah. still what it's like? Is that, is that the same, like, for your kid? Can you go and train with all these different clubs? Or are they kind of more th- inclusive now and they just want you to train with the one club?
3: I think it's more inclusive. I think you're kind of contracted to the one club. Mm. I think you need to stay, stay there, and, and that shoe kind of thing.
1: That's interesting. That might be part of the issue with Scottish football then, because it's like you've got one guy telling you that you're never gonna make it and then you've got other guys telling you yeah, you are gonna make it. Yeah. It's just it depends. Like different folk look for different things in footballers and, and it's
3: always and it's always stuck in the, the back of my mind. Uh, when I was when you're moving clubs and, and obviously signing your first professional contract, you're like, you know, I've I've actually shown that guy he was wrong. And and yeah. how many and how many how many kids have been told that they're no good at that first trial and then they've just went away and, and decided not to bother no 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 continue their their footballing career um,
1: yeah and I mean so, like there's so many folk leave academies like there's a book called The Nowhere Men by Michael Calvin it won some awards a few years back and it just talks about how small percentage of people. Actually, make it through all the, the top academies, but they then, many of them go on and have great careers at elsewhere. Just because one guy right, doesn't yeah. rate you doesn't mean that you can't make it in the game. But yeah, you could have given up and then. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, so what was life like at, at Stenhouse Muir, at, at the Warriors? How long were you there altogether? And then I know you moved on after that, which Leo will, will come to in a sec.
3: Yeah, I think I, think I was there for about three seasons. Uh, to start off with then obviously I had the the great cup run with Stenhousemuir Muir when we bet Aberdeen um, bet St Johnson in the I think it was the third round uh, 4-0 at home in the replay uh, then we got Aberdeen in the last 16 of the Scottish and we bet Aberdeen 2-0 which was one of the the biggest upsets in Scottish Cup history Yeah, which remember was absolutely it unbelievable um, I think I was about 18 at the time 18, 19 maybe um, Then we played Hibs In the the quarterfinals Of the, the Scottish Cup And it was 0-0 again at, at half time, Which echoed The, the Aberdeen game Because it was 0-0 that day Then we scored two second half goals Thanks to Tommy Steele uh, So we're in the changing room At halftime against Hibs And you're like, no bit boys this 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 is deja vu. says, so we could actually go here and, and beat Hibbs and we're we're going to Hamden in the, the semi-final of the Scottish Cup. We we part team uh, part-time team Stennis Muir, you know. But then Hibbs scored a, an early goal in the second half, which and just demoralised us, took the knocked the stuff in right at us and we ended up getting beat four 0 But uh, overall it's it's probably one of the, the biggest highlights in my career so far. So
2: you eventually moved from from Muir then to a team that you'd obviously played in the Scottish Cup in, in St Johnson. Was that how that move sort of came around then? Was it through playing against St Johnson that they, they saw you there and wanted you to move? Or did I think so.
3: There? Yeah. yeah, I think so, Lee. I, I think um, the two games that we've played, well, we, we, the first game was up at McDermott on, on the Saturday. Um, we drew one each. Uh, Adrian Sprott scored direct for a corner kick an injury time uh, to get us a draw, to get the replay back doing at local View on a, a cold, windy wet Wednesday night. Um, and I think the guys just thought it was a, a case of turning up on the Wednesday after playing us on the Saturday uh, and they, they turned them over big style. Uh, but I think that got me on, on the radar and I think they kept an eye on me uh, the rest of that season. Um, and the, they put the offer in I think at the I think maybe the end of that season or the, the season after I think it was uh, it got the move So we need to ask the question what did you go for? I think it was 85,000 at the time Can There's compl- a couple uh, there's a couple of figures it, it varies from 75 to, to 85 so I don't know what the exact figure nobody's actually told me but um, hmm. I know it's still the it's still the record transfer fee for, for Stanis Muir, anyway, for somebody uh, leaving.
2: Oh, well, there you go. At least you left there with a record in your name. Yeah. And I'll, I'll apologise if I've got this wrong, but was it Paul Sturrock that signed you? Yeah. So, I mean, it was. that in itself must have been a pretty big compliment thinking somebody that's such a, a big name in Scottish football wanted you to sign for his team.
3: Yep, yep. Uh, obviously, I, I knew the history, of Paul, and these Dungeon United days and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was quite flattered, obviously, meeting him and that. But when when you're actually playing there, he was—I would say—his man management wasn't the, wasn't the best. Or no, yeah. what I was expecting. Uh, if you weren't in the squad on the Saturday, then he kind of never spoke to you on the Friday. So you got an inkling if he if he spoke to you on the Friday you were in the squad on the Saturday, if he just ignored you, then you're like, oh well, that's me, uh, that's me just staying in the house tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> are fine the
2: right there. Um, yeah. So, answer my
3: question there,
2: so, he wasn't, how would you rate him as a whole, in terms of management, like, sort of managers that you would worked for, would he be up there, or do you think
3: that, the way that his man management was, kind of soured, what it was like working for him, as a whole? I think his, his man management skills, uh, kind of soured, my kind of time there. Um, he kind of picked me out a couple of times A couple of matches I, I played He picked me out in, in, in front of the, the guys Rather than wait till after the game Or wait till the, the Monday morning You know, uh, if I never played the best that Saturday Or made mistakes and that then He, he seemed to pick me out quite quite regular for it um, You know, I can remember one day We played Dundee at at McDermid, big derby game, full house and that, uh, just before half time we're winning one nil. Uh I think I, I never cleared the ball right. It didn't go as far as I wanted it. Uh and and done equalised right before half time. And uh right in and obviously he's, makes a beeline for me. Uh, and uh he's like Oh I thought I was uh, buying a Mercedes when I when I bought you and all that and he says I've ended up buying a mini and uh, he had a cup of tea in his hand and uh, he actually he was going to throw the cup of tea at me but then he's forgot it's a polystyrene cup it's in and the tea just been flying straight up in the air and all over the top of him. So I, <laughs> and then I, I kind of got the the, bit, the best laugh at it there.
2: It's nuts the sort of things that happen in changing rooms that obviously as fans you, you've no idea what's going on and obviously you hear the yep. stories of Sir Alex with a hairdryer treatment and, and and stories of Graham Suness and guys like that kicking holes in walls. But yeah, you yeah. wouldn't imagine Paul Stark being the the sort of guy that would throw a cup of tea at somebody, but like you say, you, you got the last laugh in that one then. So your career after that was probably the best way to say it. it was a bit nomadic. You, you sort of bounced around some clubs. So for yep. for our listeners that don't know, after St. John's you went with Clyde, um, yep. and Albert Romers, Forfa, back to stenhouse Muir, then for far again before finally getting your, your dream move to East Fife um, in the summer of 2002. So yep. there's a lot of clubs there to have over a sort of five-year period. Was that through choice or trying to find the right fit or were things just not working out when you moved to?
3: No, it was it was, um, it was was just a, a case of, I was enjoying my football and, and the clubs were, were actually just coming in and asking me to sign. It was just uh, the club would contact the other club and say, is June available? Uh, and the club would say, well, at the right price. Uh, they would agree their price and then speak to me about like, personal terms and if I would be interested in moving in that. So it wasn't a case uh, me actually not being happy or, or whatever. Uh, I actually enjoyed it. It does look as though that I just kept bobbing about here, there and everywhere, back to the club that I'd already played for but um, yeah
2: Across the the clubs that you were with then before we get on to talking about um, your time at East Fife who was the best manager you worked for?
3: I would probably say Terry Christie Was that
2: it? Forfar?
3: Stennis Muir Yeah So Ian McPhee Ian McPhee Forfar Yeah Mr. DeFoco, yeah I think he's still got it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: So was he a the manager then that you just had the best relationship with or was he just a manager that got the best out of you
3: then? Uh, I think he got the best out of me. Uh, he never put any pressure on you or anything like that. He would just let you go out and, and do your stuff. Um, just conf- give you confidence, just praise you. Even if you're making mistakes, it w- he, he wasn't on your back. He, he was like, it's part and parcel of the game. You're going to make mistakes. Everybody's human. Just go out and, and and play. Relax. And and that I think that's I probably played some of my, my best stuff at Dennis because of that. By the time obviously you got your,
2: your dream move to, to East Fife. So how did your your transfer task come around? Um and yeah, anything you could tell us about your, your early days at Bvio?
3: Uh, I think I was I was at 4 for, I think it was um, a midweek game we had at 4-4 um, and I was in the wee T-bit after the game and, and Jim Muffett was was up watching, I think, and he was just asking, uh, put your plans for next season. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't know yet. I said, I've never I've never really discussed it with, with the gaffer and he was like, well, would you be interested in Signing for me at East 5 and I was like, "Aye, why not?" So I, I was. He, he planted the seed, and and obviously the the two clubs uh, agreed agreed the terms, and and uh, I joined the the ninety five.
2: The
1: you, you had the two spells at East 5 and both of them were under Jim Muffet what was he like to play for as a manager i know the fans kind of had mixed feelings as to his his abilities as a manager obviously he won his promotion but then we got relegated the, the next season and it was a bit of a love-hate relationship sometimes with him but what what was he like to actually to play under
3: he was actually good to play under um i mean it, it's it's quite hard when you when you think on being a manager because like a goalie and for him taking yeah. like training uh, no disrespect to Jim but like taking training and, and and different drills and all that kind of stuff you're like oh, well, him being a goalie he never he never done that as a as a player through his career so how how's the training going to be like kind of stuff but then he had uh, Craig Robertson and, and and Greg Shaw was was there I think the second spell was his number two so he had. He had good assistance with him in that as well that that helped put on like the training and helped to like the outfield players. But yeah, Jim Jim was as good as a manager.
1: It's just interesting you saying that because I, I hadn't really thought about it until you were just saying that. But when, when you look at managers, there's not many goalkeepers really go in to be managers or go on to be really really su- successful managers. I, can't even think of any off the top of my head, but it's like I know Peter Shelton had a brief spell management at Plymouth. He's the only one that instantly I think, springs
3: uh, mind, the Wolves but... I think the Wolves manager was a goalkeeper. Oh really? Yeah, I think so. I might be wrong there, but I'm sure I'm sure he was I'm sure he was a goalkeeper. But
1: it's it's weird that it's a position that they don't tend to go into and I wonder if a lot of it is because it's such a unique position and you're you're just focused on on that area of the pitch, that maybe you feel you don't know a lot of the other areas of the pitch,
3: or maybe you can maybe get a wee bit more tactical because if their team's attacking, kind of thing, you can maybe like see things uh, tactically that's it's maybe wrong because you can see the full picture if, if that makes sense. You yeah, can, well, I mean, you that's can maybe the like well, you know, yeah. tweak this, tweak here, and tweak there, and that might get a better balance because you can see where the weakness in the team and that is.
1: What about you, Lee? Can you think of any goalkeepers turned managers? Or...
3: Bruce Arena.
2: Oh, was he a goalkeeper?
1: Mm-hmm. Ah, well, oh, he's been very successful over here, so yeah.
2: That's why I'm surprised you didn't know that.
1: <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even really remember him as a player. I remember him just as a manager. I don't really remember him.
2: To be yeah. fair, I'm cheating because I saw something about him on the telly and that's all only... <laughs> <laughs> it's, not like I'm, it's not like I'm well-versed in anything oh, else. Yeah. Apart from that, I don't think so. I want to see the guy, Nigel Atkins as well, um, played... I think he went on to manage like Redden and stuff, but I could be wrong. Interesting.
1: I'm going to have a look at that after we, after we do this. Right, let's get back to talking about East 5. That's what our listeners are probably more caring about. So, as I mentioned, that... that the first spell that you had, you won promotion, you you got relegation in those two seasons. But we'll start looking at the good times. Obviously, there's the dramatic last game that won the promotion, so we'll come to that in a bit. So aside from that dramatic conclusion, what was that promotion season like? What What's your memories of it?
3: I think it was just, um, for this, even for the start of the season, you know, you win you win your first kind of three or four games um, and you've got that momentum right right for the start and it just kept rolling and rolling and rolling and the team spirit was was fantastic. As I said before, the, there wasn't any big superstars, there wasn't any big heads or that in, in the side and everybody was like level-headed. Um, and the more you were winning, the, the more you were like, kind of top of the league, you got the belief and everybody got the belief and you say, you could actually do something this season. And, and it came for like, for the manager, for the, for all the backroom staff and everybody at the club and the supporters got right behind you in that as well, which played a bit, a massive part towards it. I know the the players are playing on the, on the pitch and getting the results, but the backing that we got from the fans in that season was, was setting to none. And it showed that with the, with the last game of the season when, the stands were, were absolutely full to the Gunnels yeah. and, and it was a great atmosphere, you know, and, and they and they helped us uh, to get over the line.
1: I mean, the, the top four, right to the very end, right to the closing minutes, it was so tight. And... tight. and I
3: think we'd actually heard that, I think Peter Head were playing Morton, and I think if Morton had drew, if, if they had drew and we won, I think we, we were actually going to win the title. yeah. Um, and we heard that, that Peterhead had equalised in, in injury time and then it got chopped off for, for being offside. So you, I know you're, you're jubilant for actually getting the, the you new you had, you had promotion, but then to be told that you were actually league winners and, and champions can of put it up a notch, then you were told, oh no, it's offside, so you've only got promotion, you're no, you're no champions.
1: Oh, that must have been so... I mean, all I remember from that side of it as well is Albion Rovers fans had thought that our game was over and they were celebrating with their players because they thought they'd got promoted. Yeah. Knowing that we had a delayed kickoff and the game was still going on. So, I mean, that was such a dramatic day all round. So so let's take you back to that day. May 10th, 2003, Bayview packed, as you said, 1,996 fans crammed in. I'm sure there was more. Because the, there was no yeah. spare seats and there was folk in all the aisles and everything standing about, so I mean we went we weren't sitting we were at the back standing, and there was no seats round about us, so there was definitely more. That was a record attendance at that point. We needed to win to go up, and it's nil nil, late in the game. What's going through your mind at, at that point?
3: I think it's just uh just try and do anything you can to, to try and get the ball up the, up the park. Um, we always had the belief that we would get one chance and it was about taking taking that chance late on uh, and it just so happened that, that Kenny got the chance and, and, and put it away.
1: When we had Kenny on, I, I told the story with him, I brought my video camera to the game and I'd filmed most of the game And I turned it off just before the goal because I didn't think it was coming, and I was just so down. I didn't want to be filming us being deflated, and then so I didn't get the goal on on camera, but I got the aftermath and the celebration. But when that ball went into the back of the net, can you remember what the feeling was like?
3: It was just ecstatic, you know. Actually, because you knew it was there was only about a minute to go. And you knew that once Kenny had scored that was that was it. You know, it was just the relief. You've had the, the pressure building all week, um, up to the match, knowing that we needed a victory. Um and and just it's just a big massive relief and or oh, you're just absolutely over the moon for it.
1: We were talking on last week's show and like Lee had said, that was one of the games. If you, I, I'd posed the question: if you could go back in time to three matches, either ones that you'd seen or ones that you'd never seen but you wanted to be at, and Lee, you picked that that game, and a few other fans have as well to to relive that moment. I I just think would be magical to 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 just relive that again.
3: Yeah, I think I was actually on the bench that day. Yep. If if memory serves me right, um. So i had I'd obviously the, the disappointment. You know, you're you're turning up to the match, thinking you're going to be playing because I'd played uh, quite regular up up to that that point. Then to be told that you were on the bench, you're like, oh, a bit of, a bit mm-hmm. of a downer. But then you put your your personal feelings aside, and it's all about it's about the the club, it's about the the team, and. And that's where the, the team spirit and that comes in. Knowing that even even though I wasn't starting, I was still part of the, the squad and, and I would have to play my, my part at, at some stage and obviously get the boys up for the, up for the start of the, the match and, and try and do my bit, get a chance when, when I come on. Have you ever watched or
2: re-watched it on YouTube and did you
3: know it was there? No, I didn't actually.
2: Yeah, so there's a, a video um, by Andy English. I think he recorded most of the season. It's on YouTube, The, the Winning Goal. Right. Um, I think
1: the, it's on the uh, AFTN website YouTube account.
2: Yeah. Um, so you, you can go on and watch it. And, and I'll goal, do that, yeah. The goal's recorded. And, you know, we've actually clipped part of the celebrations as, as our intro music because the, the noise, I've still never heard anything like that. I believe you, no matter yeah. what you've seen. And, and the reason why I picked that game was one of my fears is because that tension built up for that 89, 90 minutes and then I think that just the mix of emotions that everyone went through I was crying, my dad was crying yeah. you know, you're turning around and you're seeing men in their 60s, 70s and, animal, yeah. and you know walking about the, the pitch after the game and just the euphoria going through the fans is nothing I've experienced and, and I've seen us win two titles since then and I still don't think that anything has rivaled that. But I think that I was purely down to the emotion and, and, and how we've done it. Because the, the other seasons, we won it quite well. The, the the season that we won it under Dave Blakey, we won it in March. You know, we, we beat... Yeah. Blakey, so it was way in advance. And then with Gary Naismith, we won it a few weeks ago as well. So I, I still don't think that anything will compare to that. But...
1: Here's the question then. Like, I... I... Like we talk about the aftermath and the joy, my memories of the game is it was not an enjoyable game to watch because it was so tense. It's like you couldn't yeah. enjoy it. Is it is it like that as a player when you're playing in that game? Can you not enjoy it just because of the nerves and what's at stake?
3: No, I think it and I think it because it was it was pretty scrappy and, and Queen's Park made it really really tough that day. You know they came to to, to spoil the party, um, and I think. Yeah, everybody. Everybody's tense, so I don't think everybody's relaxed. And they're not playing their their own game. They wouldn't. The guys are are trying things that they they wouldn't normally try. They're trying passes that you know they've never they never tried that pass in their in their career. And you're trying to trying to force a result rather than just play like we did the last thirty three games or whatever it was. You know. Um, then obviously you're you're feeling the tension for the stands and and that kind of stuff and it does, yeah, it's it's um you feel the the weight on your shoulders because you're not going to be the one that that makes that mistake that could ruin everybody's day kind of thing. Um but on the other side you could be that player that, that Kenny was that, that day and and make everybody's dreams come true kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I think that you know, the, the players and that, that played that game and that season, as a matter of fact, have all gone down in folklore. And it's why that so many fans regard that team as one of our best teams, in and, and my opinion. And, and I know that that's certainly the, the opinion of the listeners as well. So we've touched on it already. That, that team was put together with buttons because we didn't have yeah. one. And that yeah. showed when we went up the division. But do you think that, the, the reason that the, the squad performed so well I know he said there was good cohesion and everybody got on well but do you think that it was that underdog mentality when we look at the likes of having Morton in our league and stuff that that, that sort of drove the performances on to know that yep. you weren't the favourites
3: yeah definitely um, we had we had nothing to lose you know you're coming up as you say against Morton and, and, and the bigger teams in, in the league and that and we're like nobody's expecting us to win you know, all the the papers on the Saturday morning would would have Morton for a, a home win and a away win every Saturday against us. But that was their mentality. You know, we we said, "Well, we can. You've got nothing to Let's let's go out and, and show people uh, we are a team and uh, and prove them wrong."
2: There was, I mean, the, like I say, that team was so well thought of and spoken about. The fans, big personalities in that dressing room as well. God himself, Kenny Duker Who's a guy yep. that you know the listeners loved, um That you could tell the players loved as well. Um, and so he actually asked for you when we were on the show. By the way, um, all right, you were one of my uh, one of my heroes, and he said that he hadn't spoken to you for a while. So there you go, um, Ross Graham as well, another yep. great guy, big character. And um, James Kirkus, yep. Mikey Hall, Jim Butter. You know these these are guys that the listeners, when I'm saying this, will all be nodding on, going, "What a team."
3: Yeah. Craig Farnan as well, yeah. you know. You would people would say Craig Farnan, you know. It's like he would yeah. say, he, was, "He wasn't the most skillful as the midfielders or whatever," but by yeah, he could he, he done a job in the in the middle of the park, winning winning the ball, doing all the all the scrappy stuff for for guys to go and, and show them the, their skills and that. He would do a lot of the the dog work for for everybody, and he's probably a, an unsung hero in that as well in that team.
2: Yeah, I mean, that would have been a name that, that wouldn't even come into my, my head as part of that occasion. Yeah, Michael was nodding.
1: Um, yeah, that's but that's... i cause last night when I looked at the squad, there was 23 players used over the course of the season and some of them I couldn't even remember. But they obviously played big, big parts and it's like, yeah. it's not names that stand out. And it's like, it's just a group working together really, really well and it just all coming together.
3: Yeah, but a good mix, you know, you had... The, the experienced guys, and you had the, the young the young guys coming through, and that as well. So I think they had a good blend of, uh, of talent in the team that year. There's actually someone's put a quiz up on
1: some site. I'll tweet it out, and it's like, can you name the 23 players that featured that season? Oof. I got nowhere close to, to yeah. it, and it's <laughs> like I'd be really curious to see how many. I I I was in single digits. I was like eight or nine. Just my mind went completely blank. I just could Deep not.
2: Yeah, I'll see what I can get. <laughs> uh, we'll see how we do with that. Um, so you seem to switch positions with us a few times as well. Left back, left midfield. Where would you say was your your favourite position to play in? Because from a fan's perspective, you always look more comfortable at left back.
3: Yeah, if left back was is my favourite position. Yeah. Uh, I felt more at ease playing left back than I did uh, left midfield for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why. I think I, I just felt more comfortable coming forward, uh, receiving the ball at the back and that, and, and going forward with and, and seeing the bigger picture in front of me. Whereas when you're kind of playing wide, you're half the pitch is shut off. You know, you're 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 doing a lot of running for nothing sometimes, and. Um, yeah, I, I just felt more natural playing left-back. Even the, the other teams that I played with as well, I, I prefer playing left-back. I think I I've played it, my best at left-back.
2: I've said it before and I'll say it again, you're all-best players played left-back.
3: Um, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so
2: the, the joy of the promotion season then was quickly shattered the, the following season and... We went down, and again, that was on the last day. So the first question I want to ask you is, is, I don't know if you remember that season well, but we started off as the first half, like right up the top of the league, beating everybody in our path. And from the yep. fans' view, we thought, are we going to do this back-to-back? Yes, but the proverbial last fell out of us. We just seemed to plummet the second half of the season. From a player's perspective... What was it that went wrong? Because from a fan side of things, we remember Duker getting injured and we stopped scoring goals. Yeah. But as a player, where would you say it went wrong for us
3: at that, that season? Yeah, I think that was probably a, a big factor, you know. You you lose your, your main striker, um, who is scoring the goals and that for you kind of takes the, the confidence of the team because you're looking about everybody else saying Who's going to step up? And we never really had... I don't think we really had another natural goal scorer in, in the side. Um, it's alright putting somebody in that position to play centre-forward, but we never had somebody to put the, the ball away. And I think that's where we kind of struggled. And, and if you're no scoring goals and you're no winning matches, and and that's what proved to be the, the, the final nail in the coffin, I think.
1: I mean, after that season the The squad kind of got dismantled. Kenny obviously moved on, and you went t- to Arbroath on a free transfer. Was that your choice, or was it kind of made for you that they wanted to just freshen things up?
3: Uh, I think they just wanted to freshen things up. Um, it was actually Stevie Kirk uh, signed me at Arbroath. Um, ah. He uh, he got in touch and 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 asked again what was my plans for next season and I think when he spoke to me I th- I wasn't sure what was what was actually happening with me uh, if I was going to stay another year at East Fife or if they were going to offer me another contract or um, we hadn't really spoken about anything but Stevie was was pretty keen to, to get me up to her so and that so I, that's when I decided look yeah I'll, East Fife haven't really made made me an offer Um I'll go where I'm, where I'm wanted, kind of thing. And if both are wanting me, then um, I'm, I'm going to go there. And obviously, Stevie Kirk I'll a, a to of the of the game. Um, you know, it was it was hard to to turn down. I
1: mean, you you stayed there so briefly. I think it was just one season, was it? And then you yeah, one up, season. Yeah. Ended up back at Bayview, which. My memories at the times a little hazy, but I remember being a bit surprised that you'd come back back so quickly. How how did it come about that you came back again, and I, it didn't really work out, I guess, that well the second time around for you.
3: You know, um, i actually broke my collarbone in the first pre-season game at broth. Right. Um, you know, you you do all the pre-season, and you we played a French team. Um, at Gayfield, the first preseason game, and I actually broke my collarbone, so I missed I missed the start of the season. Um, then it was it was just kind of again bit part player. You were in for a couple of weeks, you were out for a couple of weeks. Then Stevie Kirk actually he packed in. Um, I think he handed in his note. I don't think he got sacked. If my memory serves me right, I think uh, he resigned, and uh, Harry Kearney came in as manager. And obviously the new manager's got his, his new ideas. He's got his own ideas. Um, and I never really featured under Harry. And I think because I hadn't been playing, then Jim got in contact with me again and, and says, look, do you want to get yourself back playing? Um, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm needing a, a left-sided player. Uh, how do you fancy coming back to T's five? And I was like, yep, no problem.
1: Talking about, about Stevie there, it's like we've tried to get him on the show, but he, he doesn't really fancy doing it. Someone had mentioned he's kind of fallen out of love a little bit with the game. And I think maybe his management experience with East Fife and then are both maybe contributes to that. But like when you came back to, to East Fife, I, you went with us the whole season, were you? It was just like half a season, then Linlithgow came in for you. Yeah, Linlithgow came in yeah. for me, yeah. Yeah, so that's correct. When they came in, did you have any hesitations about going to the juniors? Did you think, "Man, I want to stay, fight from a place, try and get a starter"? Or at that point, were you just wanting to to be guaranteed to be playing football every week?
3: Yeah, I think because uh, the, the stage I was at my career, you know, I was I was, I was getting a wee bit older. Um, I just wanted to play, you know, and. I was like saying to myself, do I really want to, to spend another half a season sitting on the bench, not being involved, and you know traveling from Stennis to to Methil on a Tuesday and a, on a Thursday for and and not getting a a shot on a Saturday, and then uh, when Onithco came in, and it's only fifteen minutes for 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 my house. Um, I was like, no, I, I think I'm, I'm actually going to go there. It was actually Bournemouth and came in for me first.
4: Right.
3: Um, I'd actually spoken to Bournemouth and they were actually I nearly signed for Bournemouth. Then uh, Lithgow actually got wind uh, that I was going to sign for Bournemouth and and they uh, they phoned me up and asked me to go in for for talks with them. And obviously, when you you go to uh, uh, Preston Fields and you see their set up as a a junior side, you're like, this is. Uh, if, I, if I'm if I'm going to go down a level, then this is obviously the the place you want to to play it, and and, and that's how uh, Simon Simon uh and had great success there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a great choice picking them over Boness because the next season you obviously won the Scottish Junior Cup at East yep. End Park, beating Kelty yep. in in extra time. Lee came... of the ball, yeah. Oh, Lee hates Kelty, just to, to point that yeah. out. So that, that makes him love you even more because you 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 beat Kelty. Yeah, last last kick of the the ball. <laughs> it's like I don't know what it is about you playing in games where there's a dramatic last minute winner, but that that was yep. a, another one there. Another
3: one, yeah. What's
1: your memories of of that day? Because I know you were a second half sub, but you basically yep. played well half the set and half in and all of extra time, but to be on the pitch again when it's a dramatic late winner like that—what was that day like for you?
3: Yeah, again, you know, on the I'd actually started. Uh, I think the last eight games leading up to the the cup final because the Michael who played who played left back he actually done his hamstring, so he was out for. For a couple of months leading up to the cup final, and uh, we'd actually played Hellabith. I think it was the the Wednesday or the the Wednesday before the cup final, and I played really played really well. We won the league that night, and uh, I'm saying to myself, "Well, surely I've I've got to start the, the cup final. I've got to start the cup final because Mikey then declared himself fit. So I says, "Well, even if he's he's fit, he's never he's not played." So surely yeah. I've, I've I've got to I've got to start. And uh Jim named his his team and I was on the bench and I was absolutely got it. You know, I was like, Oh, here we go, deja vu all over again. I said it did it, took me it took me back to his fife, you know. Uh really looking really up for the game, think I'm just gonna start and the stuff and get snocked at you. But again, you've just got to pick yourself up. Um, I guess it gives you an his... added
1: bit of kick as well it's like well I'm going to come yeah. on and show him I should have been stabbed yeah
3: exactly and, and I think Michael's hamstring went and I think it was the first five minutes uh, after <laughs> half time um, then I, I, I got my I got my chance against uh, another oldies Fife uh, I think he was a teammate of mine I think in the second time uh, John Martin oh yeah John Martin he yeah was, he's like he, he played yeah he played wide right for Kelty that day uh, so I was up, up against him. So
2: you made over 500 appearances between the professional game and the junior game. A lot of memorable games. So we talked about Queen's Park, we talked about the Junior Cup final um, and we've obviously talked about the Aberdeen game as well. Is there any other games that you want to tell us about that, that really stood out for you? Uh, I'll
3: try to think. Yeah. Um... Uh, probably, probably my my debut for St. John'son as well. Um, you know, coming from part time into the the full time game, um, the first game of the season, it was a derby against Dundee, uh, and it was like a full house at, at McDermott Ten thousand people there, and and it was like, well, this is this is a bit different from playing in front of two or three hundred people on a Saturday. Uh, and it, it, it kind of got the, the hairs in the back of my neck standing up a wee bit. And so, yeah, my debut and uh, even just playing at Hamden and that as well was a big privilege. Um, playing at Ibrox was, was, was good as well. You know, being there as a boy, as, as a supporter, then you're going there uh, playing against them as a player and just the whole atmosphere again, you're like... Oh, this is mind blowing, really mind blowing.
2: Yeah, that's it's, it's always one uh, that people go back to is the team that they've supported managing to get to play against that. I mean, that must be amazing. Um, I mean, as these five fans, I, I don't know if Michael has, but like I've played at maybe a few times, and there's, there's nothing beats that feeling, definitely not. Um,
3: yeah,
2: so scored a few goals in your career as well, which isn't bad for a left back,
3: no, not many.
2: I, th- I said a few, I didn't say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, you got, You got six for these five, any particular ones that, that stand out for you? Team, I seem to remember a, a free kick. I'm sure you're pretty handy with a free
3: kick. Um, yeah, I like to uh, be free kick now and again. Um, I think probably two that, that kind of stand out was one done at Morton. Um, I put one, I think it was maybe about 20 yards or something on the, on the volley. I put that in uh, then when it of you against Airdrie uh, I think I got played in and hit it with my right foot I, I think I don't know what I was doing hitting it with my right foot it must but be a flick. I, I must have been a flick <laughs> uh, played through and I can remember hitting that with my right and it went in and uh, they kind they, they of stand out for me Any goals apart from you these five ones that, that stick out? Um, probably my, my prison service career uh, playing for the national team against England, uh, right. I had a free kick, uh, we played a, a tournament in Belfast, it's like a Four Nations kind of tournament, um, and it was always niggly against England, as you could imagine, uh, and I got a free kick, about, I think it was about 30 yards out, and I I've, I've just hit it, and it's hit the underside of the bar, off down off the line and right into the, the top of the net. And uh, I was like, yep, that'll do for me Substitution, <laughs> just take me off <laughs> now
2: I'm glad you added the word
1: <laughs> service to that You didn't go, yeah, during my prison career And thought be like, what? <laughs> so,
2: apart from that then One question that I always like to ask people Have you got any good dressing room tales from your time at Bayview? Anybody get stitched up? Any pranks? Any famous Jim
3: Moffat rants? Anything like that? Uh, not that I can really think it, you know, um No, I can't really think of any to be honest. I know it's pretty boring, but I, I was I've been trying to rack my brains for for, for days and days and days trying to, to get a story, but I can't really think of any, And What about the nights uh, out?
1: What were they like or like or, or, or you tell us much. what what was the night out like after winning the promotion? Like did you have a big party for that? Can't even remember. It must have been that was a good night.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be pleased I to I know could, every, everybody um, just went their own way, I think, as far as I, I can remember. But do wee thing up the stairs, for we kind of do up the stairs for a wee bit, then everybody just seemed to, to go their own way. I think I think that's what happened. Not to, not have the, the sort of player
2: of the year dance after it. That, was that that, was, that night? Yeah, it would have been. Was it? Normally, the player of the year dances are after the last game
1: of the season. Yeah, do you oh, know what? I, I, I don't I, I think can't it remember. was that season, though. I think we no. might have had it before. I don't know. It's nearly 20 years ago. I can I can hardly I remember, can't remember last
2: week. Never mind. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the fact that you say that it was nearly 20 years ago is uh, quite upsetting. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was really upsetting. But I'll let Michael ask you the last year. <laughs>
1: I just want to actually touch then on, on the the prison service side of things because obviously we had Dave beaten on the the show a couple of weeks ago as well. I know you, you worked with Davey. Like, when did yeah. you get involved in that? And I didn't actually know that there was a prison team that you were playing for. So, like, tell us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, I've uh, been in the service now for about eleven and a half years, um, and during my my college my my six week um uh, you go to the, the prison once you first start you go to the college and that's where you get your training and all that kind of stuff. Um so I was only there a couple of days, my first week, and chap at the door comes in and one of the, the managers, uh, can I speak to Eun Donaldson, please? And the tutor was like, Aye, sure, aye. like you just out you go. So I went around and said, like, Well, what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> and uh, like I says, Oh, this is uh, this is Paul Mulholland. He's uh, the manager of the, the Scottish national football team. Uh, he just wants to, to have a wee word with you and I was like, All right. He says, uh, interested in playing. I was like, What do you mean? He says, Yeah, I'm the manager of the Scotland team. Do you want do you want to play in the Scotland team? I was like, aye, of course I do, aye. He says, Right, uh, we'll be in touch. So uh, yeah, we we play we used to play three or four games a year. Uh, against like you'd have your, your Four Nations tournaments uh, so you played against England Ireland Wales uh, either in Belfast or down in England or uh, in Glasgow it was uh, when we hosted it uh, and yeah it's some uh, some great games with the prison team
1: I take it it's just the warders you didn't like sneak in the odd prisoner that was like a football no, no, that had done anything bad no
3: <laughs> no still
5: uh, watching but, Mean but, Machine uh,
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> like back in the like when i was growing up as a kid in the 70s i think it was in scorcher it might have been royal rovers magazine but there was a cartoon strip called lags 11 and it was about a prison football team and just their adventures and stuff And i just always remember that um right moving aside then to another aspect of your career because you, you've hung the boots up now and you've kind of become poacher turned gamekeeper and uh, you're now doing refereeing and yeah. I do remember you enjoying a good moan at the referees back in the day. Yeah. Now you're on the other end of that. So how did that come about? Was that something that had always interested you? Because I never understand nope. why anyone wants to be a referee, not for any other reason than the abuse you get from every single side. You can't do yeah. anything
3: right. No, it was actually, um, I was up at my son's uh, training one night and uh, just standing watching him and the secretary of the, the Stillingshire Referees Association. His son was playing uh, on the other half of the pitch, and he recognised me uh, from a playing days and that. He was like, "Oh, you know, how's it going?" And I was like, "Aye, fine." Put you up to? It. I said, "Oh, I'm just in the uh, working away in the prison. Are You know, playing anymore?" I said, "No, I've, I've retired. I've hung, hung the boots up." How did you fancy becoming a referee? I was like, "No, definitely no." He says, "Come on, we're actually looking for referees." I says, "No." Nope. I says it's, it's not for me. I says I used to give the referees peddlers every game I played. He says give it a try. He says we've got a course coming up, and uh, come along. I says no, not doing it. So he would leave me for a week or two. Come back to me again and be standing watching watching Jack training again. You that course starts next week. I says the referee course. Yep, I've put your name in for it. He says, see, uh, uh, the prison college, they've done the course at the prison college in, in Pullman. He says, uh, make sure you're at uh, Pullman uh, College for uh, six o'clock on Monday night. He says, your name's <laughs> done. And I was like, all right then, all right, what, what can you say? So I uh, went along past my, past the course, uh, and, and that's, that's like the, the refereeing, and I absolutely love it, believe oh, it Really? Know. Yeah.
1: What's uh, tougher I really enjoy then? It. Dealing with angry players or dealing with prisoners in the prison, right? Like, who gives you the most grief? I would imagine it's the players, probably.
3: Player, probably the parents actually. Oh, the, oh. for the for yes. the side, you, you actually get more hassle for the for the side of the pitch than you actually do. Yeah, I've seen for that the guys here. playing. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, another and thing we've obviously... got in
2: common, Ewan. I, I qualified as a referee as well. I only lasted four or five games. Um, and I jacked it, man, honestly. The, I actually found the coaches worse than anything. Um, yeah. The, the coaches were horrendous. I refereed the game. Uh, it was Glenothis versus Cowden B, funnily enough. And the referee, the, the one of the wee boys, he must have been about 10 or 11, you know how you get the, the sort of youth games to start off. Yep. He called me a fat see you next Tuesday, right? Yeah. I was laughed. I was just like, look, I was like, I'm telling you now, pal, any more of your attitude and I'm just going to send you off. Because I, I kind of felt that from a young age, you should probably stamp that sort of behavior out.
3: Yeah.
2: Coach, I was like, take him off before I send him off. And he didn't. And then next minute, he, he gave me it again. So I sent him off. And the manager, honestly, I've never heard abuse like it in my life. Uh, yeah. My old man was watching it. And at the end, it, he makes a beeline for me on the pitch. And, I, and all I could see is my. Now remember, I don't know if you remember my dad, but he's a tiny, wee guy. Yeah, aye, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Not an and I was just like I this, like,
2: uh, this myself. I just said to the guy, I was like, Look, I was like, I gave you the chance to to take him off the pitch, you didn't do it, he swore, need to get that out of the game early on, blah 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 blah. Um and he ended up like putting in a complaint about me, the whole lot, and I was just like, This isn't worth thirty quid. Yeah I'm giving a, I don't up in the session on a Saturday. <laughs> I was like, I it's not even worth it for a Sunday morning. So how thick a skin?
1: Do you need to be doing this? And, I mean, it's different because I know you're doing it at, like, youth level. But it's like, do you need to just, well, yeah, how thick a skin do you need? How, how do you cope with all the, is there still crowding around at your level? or Yeah, I
3: do the amateurs as well. I do the, the Sunday amateurs as well. Okay, oh, imagine uh, that'd be bad. Which is very, <laughs> very testing. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've actually said to myself a, a couple of times, what am I actually doing? I say that is this actually worth the the forty pound fee? You know, and um, uh, it's very very challenging the, the Sunday amateurs. Um, I mean, even even the the young kids in that as well. You, the abuse that you get for the side and and I think I think being a prison officer is actually, actually helped me mm. um, because you get you know you get abuse off of, off the of prisoners and that on a daily basis. Well, no, not on a daily basis, but you know you. You, they tend to have a wee rant at you now and again. And it's just like being on the football pitch, you know. And and I'm quite a, a laid-back guy at the best of times anyway, so um, a lot of things don't kind of rile. I'm not easily riled up in that and, and stay calm, so um, you, just, you just have to stay relaxed. You know, all the eyes are, are on you kind of thing, but yeah, you, you have to be thick-skinned and, and not take shouts personally. I think that's a big thing. You know, you you get cried this, that, and the next thing, and you just you've just got to to ear it kind of thing, and and just get on and concentrating on your job.
1: Yeah, I I cover the amateur game out here, and I do some videos for some of the local leads and leaks and stuff. And one of my videos ended up being used in a disciplinary hearing because I'd captured the abuse that yep. the coach was giving the ref. And then it just continued. He sent him off and it just continued nonstop behind me. So this is all on my camera that I'm doing it. And then the team got on to me. It's like, why did you put that up? It's like, you've got our coach in trouble. I'm like, I think he would have been in trouble anyway. I'm pretty sure the referee is going to report that. But like from covering the amateur game here, I don't know why the refs do it because the abuse they get from the coaches, the fans, the players, it's just. As Lee said, it's like it's not worth it for for the amount of money that you're getting. No, no,
3: for forty pounds. Um, I done an under eighteen game where the guy I, I sent him off and and he shoved me and he ended up getting an eleven month ban for for that because there was loads of uh, spectators that saw it and uh, then I've had the amateur game uh, sent a guy off and he's come charging at me after the game and I've had, had the opposition team actually. Make a wall, a barrier, kind of thing to protect me. And, Jeez. And then um, I, I eventually got to my car, and the guy turns up right in my car, and you know he's still getting it verbal. And I'm like, Can if, if this guy's going to go for it here, I'm, um, you know, what, what? What chance have you got? Yeah. It's a big, 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 big guy, you know, and I'm like, aye, you've got all your prison training, but you can't use that on on Joe Public, you know. You're you're like. It's it can be pretty scary at, at points, you know, and and you're doing it as a hobby and uh, trying to help help the game, the be, be refereeing game, so so the football goes ahead.
1: There's a lot of like ethnic amateur teams here, and some of those games get out of hand. Like when the Serbian team plays a Croatian team or whatever, and it's like holy shit! I would not want to be yeah. refereeing yeah. In that, but. <laughs> I mean, what's your ambitions then, for refereeing wise? Are you wanting to to maybe get to do it at the pro level? Are you happy just doing
3: amateurs and youth? I'm too old. I've been told I'm too old to oh really? to progress. Yeah. Because um, what you're forty five now. I'm forty five. Yeah. So I think for the the new things that are in place, uh, I was told. I was actually told when I when I first went to the the association that I would get fast tracked. There's a thing called a fast track that because I'd played senior and blah, 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 oh. eh, I would do like a couple of games and get pushed on to to go into the juniors and, and that kind of stuff and maybe a chance of doing like lower league football. Um, but then as things, personally things changed for me, eh, you know, I got divorced from my wife and all that kind of stuff. So the referee kind of thing took a, a wee back seat for mm-hmm. six months until I got my my life back together again and um and things have, have turned out really well for me now. I've got a new new partner. Um with, with Amy and and, and Jack uh, stays with us and that now so uh life life's really, really good, you know, uh, great job, great great uh, house life and that so no complaints and and enjoying life.
1: Ah, that, that's better than getting abuse on a Saturday or yeah. a Sunday from a, a bunch of <laughs> scary
3: guys
2: so we're on to the last two sections then um, the first one that we always ask is do you have any memorabilia from your playing days that you've kept obviously there's going to be a, a Junior Cup medal in there as well and a League Winners medal with Lin Lefkoe but is there anything else from your playing days that you still have that you treasure
3: yeah I've got uh, I've actually got tops for every team I've played with um, so I've actually if you can see it two seconds
1: oh love nice love it there
3: you are that's taking pride of place then is it yeah that's my we wee uh, Kenny man cave up the stairs in the house uh, I've got uh, just I've, no, I've just got a couple of tops up uh, there's my, like my four for one as well
1: oh nice what's a nice
3: top uh, my St Johnson one for oh that's nice that's amazing. See, so, this is the stuff. I've a
1: couple, that a couple of them. There's a bit. Yeah. I love speaking about this. Here's something yeah. for for you, Lee. I I don't know if you and you even know that this exists. I, again, doing the research last night, just initially just searched the name, saw what came up, and it took me to eBay. And first you were with St Johnston, you featured in a Panini, not a sticker collection, but a photo collection. And there's a six by four photo of you in St Johnston that's up on eBay for three pounds. Lee will obviously now be buying that. <laughs> did you know that you were part of a Panini collection? I did not. No. I'll send you the. I'll send Lee the link to send on to you. Then you can yeah, have a look at yeah. it. Yeah. You can see yeah, which start. one he buys at first. <laughs>
3: If I'll fine, it'll be worth 250.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can make an offer on it so you can have a bidding war. I, I just want you to buy it, and then the guy's like, okay, who am I sending it to? Oh, it's
2: to you, a... Donaldson. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not just give me this for free. Um, that'll be your offer. You've sold that to me. Um, so I did ask, and I checked again, Michael, in advance. We always ask our, our players that come on for their best 11s. So hope you're prepared. And I hope you, you've you not skim-read the message that I sent you. So, what was I,
1: it? I do that with most of his emails, so it's fine if you have. Uh,
2: <laughs> did you come prepared with your all-time 11 played with? I've got a wee list here, yes. Good Excellent. man, good man. So we'll go to start off with uh, your best 11 that
3: you played with. Played with. This was really, really tough because during my, my long career, I've played with some really decent goalies. Um Alan Main at St. Johnson. Uh boy you do, called Michael. Don't mention
1: Mike. Alan Main to us because of what oh, happened have right, United in nineteen eighty
3: one, but okay. <Yeah. laughs> uh a few of the the four uh Stuart Garden and Michael Brown. Um, but I've actually went for an old store where, uh, he's fife. I'm gonna actually pick Jim Butter. Mm. Good choice. Um, but Jim yeah. is a, a, a I right Gentleman, a really, really ge- good gentleman, uh, nicest guy you could ever meet. Um, so I, I, th- I was thinking, I said, well, obviously the promotion and that, Jim, Jim played his part during that season as well, you know. So I made, I made him my, my keeper. Uh, I've went a, a three, four, 3 formation. Nice. Right. Um okay. Just because I couldn't really pick another left back. With me being left back So I said I'll go <laughs> for I'll go for, a th- I'll go for a Three centre halves That's fair I like yeah. a three again, four
1: three formation Actually
3: uh, Again It was Really really tough Um So I actually Had a, like a A wee tombola <laughs> And I put the I put all the names uh, The the defenders That I couldn't decide on And whoever I picked out I would be like Well i will be happy with With them in my In my side anyway So I'd done a wee lucky dip. So my right centre and a half ended up Gordon Russell.
2: Rusty, yeah. Be well.
3: rusty. Uh I used to I used to travel with Gordon uh, to train in the matches. Uh Mr. Consistency. Uh you knew what you were getting on a Saturday for Rusty. So um I'm happy that he's made the team. Uh another old before your time Lee, uh an old guy that I played with was Peter Godfrey. I don't know if you're aware. Of, Peter played uh, played with St. in and and uh, he was he was a centre half at Stennis Mule when I first started, and he kind of took me under his wing and and gave me directions and how to defend and gave me wee pointers, and and it's something that I've I've carried through throughout my, my career. Uh, so he was my my centre half, my other centre half. I actually. He shouldn't be in my team because he never put me in his team. So when his name came out, I was like, did I put him back in?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "No, I'll be, I'll be the bigger man." So unfortunately, uh, Davy Beaton has made the the left centre half spot. So he'll be thankful that I've given him. We mentioned that he wanted. <laughs> Not under the right circumstances right <laughs> enough, but uh plus uh I played with Davey and the the Scottish prison team in that as well. So uh He did that's give you a mention off. though. Oh did he did give
2: me a mention, yeah. He
3: did hey, say man. give me a mention, he says but he, he says you weren't a, you're known my team because I picked Dickie Gibb because uh I played with him at Linlithgow. Yeah. And so oh, very good, Davey.
2: He did give you a shout And before we go any further We actually got um, a tweet from Johnny Mitchell I don't know if oh, you yeah. spiked that, Michael And he said to say um, a big
3: shout out to you Because you were coming on So I, I like Johnny, yeah I, He's a good lad He's a good lad Did he make your team? <laughs> no <laughs> We're there to cut another bit of so paper here. I'll see if I can uh, Put him in somewhere uh, He's a super so, sub Super, so a bit like myself, my later his fifth career. Wide um, right, right, I've I picked a guy that I played with our broth. Uh, it was Gavin Swanky.
2: Oh, great player.
3: He was a a young, just a young boy at the, the time, and when, when he was there, but the ability that he had, and uh, he just used to glide by players as a as a winger, and and pitched up with a few good goals, and it was good to see him actually uh, go full time with Dundee and I don't know I don't know if he's still playing now if he's um I think he was he was at Forfar for a wee while but I, I'm 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 yeah, thinking maybe he's retired he's, now. You know, yeah maybe. No he's still he's fourth
2: um, spell with our broth, apparently.
3: apparently oh,
1: back wow. at Arbroath again. Wow, he's back in the championship.
3: Yeah. I think he's a local lad as well. I think he comes for our broth. Um so my Centre mid uh, is the guy who played about St. Johnson, uh, Stevie Tosh. Mm. I don't know if you know him, for his Ray Rovers days. Uh, St. Johnson signed him for it, yeah. <laughs> um, he signed at the, at the same time and kind of brought up a wee rapport there. Uh, Stevie would, you know, he would put an engine do on him. He would run all day and, and scored good goals and obviously went on to sign with Aberdeen in that as well. So he's he's done well for himself. Um, My left-sided centre midfield player, I've picked Brian Rice. I played with Brian Rice at uh, Clyde, Um, another a guy, Uh, some left foot. Uh, Just made the game look so easy. Uh, He was at the end of his career uh, when I I played at Clyde, but uh, really good. And Obviously, he's been on the the management career and, and doing quite well with Hamilton. Uh, left winger. I went for Barry Robson. He was a, a young guy at, at Forfar when, when I was there. Uh, he was on loan for Inverness uh, again. Like like Swanks, he was. You could give him the ball, and, and you know you were going to get an end result, whether it be beat the, the right back three or four times in one go and uh, deliver for for the centre forwards to to score goals and that. Uh, so Barry makes my, my way left.
1: He was here in Vancouver, he lasted six months, they terminated his contract, the <laughs> goalkeeper here in Vancouver told us he was the angriest player he has ever been yep.
3: in his life. Oh, he's an angry guy, like, even <laughs> when he was younger, he was a, a moaner, oh, he, he liked a moan.
1: I was the only media person here that he was actually pleasant to, and it's just because I was Scottish, he had <laughs> Scottish. no time for anyone else, <laughs> yeah. he was just, like, horrible with them.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: But he was, yeah, he was a imagine. good player, but... His antics—he was always waving his arms about because his football IQ was better than a lot of the players. So he'd be playing balls where he wanted them to go, and they wouldn't be running there. And yeah, he would just berate them on the pitch, and the club didn't like that because he didn't think it set a good example. But example, he was a quality yeah. player, uh, you're definitely really a, good a good player. player. I—he yeah. I, made his—he scored his first ever goal, professional goal against East Fife Inverness. I asked him about that as a random right. question, as I would when he comes to Vancouver. Uh,
3: so my front three is uh, on the right. I've got Stevie Milne, uh, oh, yeah. Savo. Savo. Uh, he was at Forfar as well, but as a young, a young guy there, the pace that, that Stevie had and his, his finishing ability he was just second to none. Um, and obviously he went on to. Went back to Dundee and and that and had a really sort of a, a good career. Uh, center of the three, I had to pick big Kenny, big Doctor Golds. Um, you know, uh, Kenny was Kenny. What you what you saw is what you got kind of thing. Never flamboyant, in his, uh, in his appearances and he's a and he's a PM season that, but uh, he gave you a hundred percent and and came up with the goods when when you needed them. And my final forward is a boy called Brian Carrigan, Young Carrots. Uh, I, you played, I played with Brian at, at Clyde, Been again, a young nipper. Uh, and you could just see the talent he had as a, a young guy. Went down to Stockport. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the big teams were after him and he went down south and it went pear shape for him after him. Take the taxi driver hostage And and no, I don't know if you've, if you've heard that story or not Oh no. um, Brian Something couldn't drive it, Brian couldn't Somebody drive
2: Somebody else picked Brian Carrigan Did they? Uh huh Because we've been told this story before I'm sure it But the hostage If it wasn't on this show It must have been another one that I listened to um, Was it not Paul McManus?
3: Said he played him
1: I don't know, I don't remember any hostage story Let's hear the hostage story
3: <laughs> Well, uh, it probably has the same story But um, Brian couldn't drive So he was in digs And this guy, the taxi driver Used to pick him up in the morning Take him to the, the training ground Pick him back up at the training ground And drop him back off at his digs uh, Every day So Brian was, was out after a game one night uh, Had a, a few drinks Spotted the, the guy that picked him up every day tried to flag him down the guy just dingied him well Brian took homage to this eh, chased him down the taxi rank jumped into his taxi bundled him out the taxi stuck him into the back I don't know if he he tied him up or anything but chucked him at his taxi put him in either the back seat or the boot and nicked his taxi (laughs) so eh, (laughs) And that was that was the end of Brian Carrigan's uh, career at Stokport. Hence the reason he came back up the roads.
1: Um, are you sure you didn't play with him on the prison team?
3: <laughs> no, I, I know, I know. Uh, I think he went to Hamilton after that. I played against him when he was at Hamilton as well. Uh, then I, I played with him again at Lundlithgow. He was part of the the team that won the Scottish Cup at Lundlithgow. But oh. uh, Brian's ability for for scoring goals. I've never seen guys score goals like this uh, in my life. Even at training and and on a Saturday, you know, he would ping balls in the net for all angles, and you're like, pff, you know, what a what a waste of talent, the talent that he had, and here he's playing junior football, you know, and he could have been so much better. So yeah, that's so that's he,
2: that's he, my eleven. He, he played for the Rovers in between two thousand and two th- and two thousand and three. Um, and he played at Clyde as well. I'm I'm convinced it was Paul McManus, but I could be totally wrong. But yeah, that's a that's a, some team.
4: Mm.
3: That's no bad. That. Who missed out in your wee bowler then? Uh, I'm trying to think now because I've I never really wrote their names down. Uh, I can't really remember to be honest. Off off my. Greg Denham was one I can remember. Greg Denham I played with him in Lithgow. Um, I can't remember the other ones.
2: Just in case you were going to give any honourary mentions out, um, we thought we'd give you the opportunity of that one. And finally, any of the did you do an eleven
3: against? I did. So my eleven against is in goals was Jim Layton. Obviously, I played start. against uh, Jim. When we played Hibbs. Uh, right back was Alec Cleland. When he was at Rangers, he just ran all day. Every every opportunity he got, he was like, "I think he played wing back that the day I played against him." And he was just, you know, when Duracell batteries, he he just never stopped. And I was like, "Gee, was what a what a play? Who is this player?" And obviously, he would. He was like an unsung hero for Rangers. You know, uh, uh, he wasn't a a big name, but by yeah, what a what a player he was. Uh, My centre-half, Lorenzo Amoruso. Yeah, another good one. Yeah, speaks for itself, the big man. Uh, Other centre-half was Rio Ferdinand. We played, uh, when I was at Clyde, we played West Ham in a a pre-season friendly at Broadwood. And Rio was just a young, I think he was maybe 17, 18 at the time. And um, he just absolutely strolled it. You know, you could see he was he was going to be a player for for, for that day, so he uh, he's in my, my team. And left back was uh, George Alberts. That's a pretty decent back
2: line and back one of the
3: best. For, anyway, so yeah. yeah. Uh, midfield um, is Kevin Finlayson. I don't know if you remember Kevin he played with Queens Park and Morton and uh, I had I had some great battles with with Kevin through the years it didn't matter who he was playing or who I was playing with every time I knew I was coming up against Kevin I knew I was I was in for a hard time and and likewise he knew he was in for a hard time so um, he he, he makes that side Uh, centre mid is probably two of the the best centre mids I I could actually pick Uh, the first one is Paul Gascoigne yeah, played played against the uh, Actually, not made uh, Paul Gascoigne in the, in the game. Uh, didn't he mean it right enough? Uh, done away wee <laughs> the ball, was, ball was out in the touch. The ball was in the touch. I can always remember it. And my uncle was at the at the game as well. So uh, the ball was at the touch line. I done a wee turn, and just as I turned, I've I've moved the ball. Just as Gazas came in to close me down, but his legs were open. The ball was, accidentally went through his legs. I went past it and collected the ball so I'm taking that as I've, I've not made really Paul Gascoigne and I'm taking that and he said to me later on he was like nice bit of skill but how did you do that? I went I don't know. <laughs> I, couldn't you, I couldn't tell you I said I never meant it but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, so mother centre mid is Frank Lampard again oh, he played in the the West Ham team at Clyde along with Rio so he was just a a young guy coming through at that time as well, and yeah, again, like I said, the always the talent and movement, and you just knew he was going to be a, a top, top, top player, yeah. uh, and it proved proved to be the case. Then uh, wide left, another one is uh, Brian Lowdrop. Um it's a some team, yeah. And um, again, Brian just it speaks for himself. Uh, up front, I've got Kenny Miller. Uh, more, more as Kenny started his career. Um when he was a young lad, I played against his his debut for Stennis Muir when he was seventeen, eighteen. Uh I was I was playing Melbourne Rovers at the time and he played uh, he scored the hat trick in his first his first match for for Stennis Muir and you could just see that again you're like who's who is this young young guy and he's been on to, to prove everybody what kind of player he was with his career, and I'm not surprised to be honest after the the first showing that I got to him, and his partner up front. I've got John Hartson, and he played the the West Ham game as well. Just unplayable that day. Just knocking boys left, right, and centre. Big centre. two centre halves. Uh, just knocking my way like skittles and I can remember a, a ball getting played into the box and I'm like oh that's that's mine just a way to get my wee couple of steps running forward ready to leap to clear the ball and as I've tried to, to jump off the ground uh, Mr Hartson's just kind of leaned on me put his hand on my shoulder and uh, Headered, the ball. Go didn't go in right enough. But I was like, God, have, have I got diver's boots on here? It's just one <laughs> of them that my feet are just stuck to the to the ground. You know, I just couldn't couldn't jump whatsoever. And uh, after that, I was like, Yep, yeah, uh, some player uh, just He's all in general play, holding the ball and just shrugging off defenders. And you could see he was going to be a right handful. And his career it uh, proves that as well so and that's my that's my 11 I'm going to say
2: apart from maybe Gary Naismith's that's probably the best 11 that we've heard I'd um, say so um, I think it's, it's
1: even possibly yeah. better than Gary Naismith but we'll ha- I'll have to revisit Gary's and see what he picked that's an impressive but, team to play against I, I think
2: that Gary Naismith had obviously like Cristiano Ronaldo and stuff like that so yeah oh, did he? I can't yeah, remember yeah. that yeah, Gary, Gary's <laughs> one was good but you know we've had a few people mention Paul Gascoigne and I love the fact that every single person that said that said that he talked to them through the game and he just yep. seemed to be a, a great guy um, you know I, I can't remember who it was Um that said, that he was
3: sort of coaching them through the game, which is yeah, just spoke, just spoke, 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 you know, and it was, uh, it was like a pre-season friendly game, so it was like the pressure was off, and you know, the, the team at Rangers put out that day was was amazing, you know. I'd actually the story, the reason I played against them that day was I'd actually played with St. John'son on the Tuesday, and I yeah. closed those game against uh, Air. And uh, obviously Sturrock had made it in his mind that I wasn't gonna to feature in uh, the following season. So got actually got pulled into his office after the game, and him and Gordon D L are standing, and um he says, You and this is Gordon D. L's so, I don't know who Gordon D. So, just felt being the manager, blah blah blah. Um he's wanting you to play the I'm like but I'm a Master Johnson player. And, say, ah, and that's when Sturrock was like ah well you know I've been thinking you might not feature as much uh, next season and Gordon Gordon was impressed the way you played today and he would like another wee look at you uh, they're playing Rangers tomorrow do you fancy going down and playing against Rangers uh, so we can have another look at you I was like I've just played 90 minutes <laughs> and you say do you want me to go and play play Rangers tomorrow. And impressed. He, no, <laughs> he says, I know, and impressed. try trying to win a contract. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, why, why no? um, and then And Gordon spoke to me and says, look, I know you've played. And he says, don't you worry about it. He says, I just want to have a wee look uh, and see, see what you're like against higher opposition kind of thing. So, you know, turn up on, on the Wednesday, Somerset Park and the Rangers team, Doing a warm-up and you're lining up and as you say, you've you've got like say it was like Antony was in goals and Amoruso, Sergio Perine, Gaza, Loudrop, Alberts, Marco Negri up front. Essentially uh, the nine Gor- on
2: the road team. Gor-
3: mm. yeah, Gordon Jury and you know, you're like actually, you're like, Wow, wow. And I see it's neither they're expecting me to <laughs> to win a contract out of this. <laughs> I say we got beat we got beat nine now and Anki took me off at half time. Because he knew I was, my legs were actually done, yeah. uh, and I said to to Gordon, I says, look, I'm not going to do myself any favors, but we're going out in the second half, and he said, no, no, he said, I'm I'm quite happy, he says, uh, we're going to offer you terms and that. He said, I just need to speak to the chairman and get you a deal uh, on the table and, and see if you're happy, and uh, I said, right, hey, that's that's fine, I'm I'm happy, I'll be happy to come down and and sign and that, and it took a couple of weeks and by the time it, they managed to get a hold of the chairman because I think he was on holiday or, or something like that the time that they managed to get a deal on the table that's when Clyde had already came in and, and made a, a concrete offer and offered me terms that uh, I couldn't refuse and you know they were offering me the same money that I was at, at St Johnson and I was like 10 minutes along the road I'd be nuts to knock it back uh, but in hindsight, it was probably the wrong move for me because that was uh, played half a season at Clyde, and the, they turned round and, and said they couldn't afford to pay my wages, plus appearance money and bonus money. So that was that was the demise of my kind of full time career, and that's what led me going to LB and Rovers to go part time. And uh, but I've no regrets. You know, it's it, it worked out well, and uh, I know some young guys would would love the career that. I, that I've had and you you can look back and, and say oh it could have been a lot better eh uh, and you but you can also look back and say it could be a lot lot worse so eh uh, I can't complain and I've got great memories and eh uh, memorabilia to, to show for it
1: yeah there's not yeah. many folks going to have 13 plus years in the pro game and then a little bit of career in the juniors as well and and Done that kind of stuff and won stuff and, I I when I was doing the research I was genuinely amazed because I thought you were at East Five for longer. I when I saw it was just a couple of seasons the first time around I was like, wow, because I remembered you being here for longer. That's just the impact yeah. that that you kind of made, but. Thank you so much for, for doing this Ewan, I, I no, really thanks for having enjoyed me. chatting to you, I dread to think what Lee's away doing just now, but... <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was just
1: too much for him, he's he's, he's overcome his yeah,
3: Completely overwhelmed.
1: Been really weird that over the last three weeks we've spoken to two former East 5 legends That work together. They both won a Scottish Junior Cup medal at different times while in Lithgow Rose. It's just weird how everything comes together.
3: I know it's a small world, isn't it? (laughs) Right, you and that's been the late two hours, mate. We'll let you go. Thank
2: you so so much. We're we're really no,
3: thank you. Thanks for having me. That's great. Thanks so much. Been a pleasure, man. Pleasure. Thank you.
1: So some great stuff there from Ewan Donaldson, fan favourite, promotion winner, a player that, that Lee loved in his early days watching East Fife and like I said during it, Lee, in my mind before we were researching this, I really thought he was at the club for longer. That just shows you the impression he kind of made.
2: Yeah, he, he was. he's one of those guys that I think was synonymous of the success of uh, the, the, the time that they had there and, and he was just liked by everyone. I think that, you know, one of the words that always got used to describe you and was steady. You never got a bad game out of him. You know what I mean? And yeah, look, let's be honest. um, He was, he was my hero and and the chat lived up to all my expectations. And and not only that, it was great to actually be able to thank him for, for how good he was with me as, as a young fan. I can't remember if I've spoken about in the past that, you know, my dad took me over to meet him when I was a wee boy and, I was shy as anything, didn't know what to speak to him. He gave me his boots the first time that I spoke to him. Um, and then his dad started coming to the away games with us, like he would meet us on the train, wherever we were going. Um, yeah, and the, his, his last game for us, I, I think it was Stenhouse-Muir-Away, gave me a, a signed shirt, which I've still got. Um, and yeah, there's those little things that, in in my opinion, that that make, you know, being a... A fan of a, a, a lower league club, so special, Absolutely. and I've, I've got huge respect for you. And because that's that's above and beyond, you know, he went above and beyond. And um, yeah, there was loads of things about his chat that I liked. I loved him, um, obviously, our listeners won't see it because it's a podcast and, and not a video interview. But he's got his man cave set up and he has his, a, a friend he's five top in his wall wearing his five scarf around it. And then he messaged me this morning to say that he'd forgot to show us his, his five scrapbook.
4: Oh,
2: um, had a scrapbook of his time at East Fife and stuff as well. He's like it just slipped his mind at that time. So it, it, it's clear to see he's, he's love of the club and, and how much he enjoyed playing for us.
1: That's fantastic. I mean, I might—I was thinking when he was giving us the little tour of his man cave, I might actually snip the video and and, and get that out there from from the Zoom yeah. call because I I think fans would definitely love to see it. And it it's nice that players hold the club in such high regard. And it's true what you say. It's like you don't get this at at the big clubs. In England in particular, like once teams get into the Premier, it's like you you lose that kind of connection with the fans. I was listening to one of the latest When Saturday Comes podcasts, and they were speaking to the guy that, like me, started off doing a fanzine for Brentford. It's become a website and a podcast, So very similar kind of journey to myself. And obviously Brentford are pushing hard just now to get into the Premier. And he's torn because he's like, you want that dream. You want to be playing at the pinnacle, but you know it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same kind of maybe family feel to the club that that they've currently got. And that's that's all always the risk when you become a big club. We're really lucky at East Fife. We're really lucky with who we've got in charge of the club just now that they've built a family atmosphere and people want to be there. And... But we'll talk a little bit more about what football means to people just to, towards the end of the show when we get to this week's wavelength. And I'll explain all about that in a, in a sec. But yeah, great to chat to, to Ewan. We've got a couple of other interesting chats coming up. We won't tease too much about them, but uh, covering different eras of East 5. So I think you'll be very happy with what we've got coming up in the, the coming weeks. And as always, if you've got an interplayer, player, past or present, let us know. I was having a think, though, the other day, Lee, as well. I don't know how many of them are around, how many of them are internet savvy, but if we could get some of the guys from the 50s or 60s teams, might be a bit problematic, I know. I think that would be an interesting one. Obviously, a lot of the big guys, a lot of the heroes, there are sadly no longer with us, but that would be an interesting one. So if anyone does have any any links to guys that maybe played in the 50s in particular, anybody that was around the... the the, the League Cup winning teams, I know many of them have sadly passed away, but let's see. As, as I mentioned at the end of our chat there with Ewan, it's been a, a little bit weird having two former Fifers that played in different eras for the team that now both work together, but they both like also won Scottish Junior Cup winners medals with, with the same club as well And Lithgow Rose. The other person being Dave Bean, who we spoke to two episodes ago and I know a lot of people enjoyed that episode, but there was one burning question that we never addressed with Dave. Did he fancy a chocolate digestive? Let's find out. So Dave, if you're sitting at home, which I guess most of us are these days, and you decide to have a hot beverage, what is your hot beverage of choice? Do you go for a tea... A coffee, hot chocolate, something more exotic? Probably a coffee. And do you have a sweet tooth? Are you a biscuit fan?
5: I am, yes. I'm I'm a very sweet tooth, to be honest with you. Unfortunately for the lockdown.
1: Yes. Yeah, tell me about it. I just had a crown fitted this week as my teeth have taken a battering. But what would be your biscuit of choice? Oof. Um, Probably a Kit Kat, I think. Oh. Oh nice you want, say you want me digestive you want me to say digestive well obviously yeah, i would love you to to say digestive but you've got to be true <laughs> to yourself so yeah. it's like 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 I like a kit cat I like a nice chunky kit cat I find it's really good for like dipping in in your tea Correct. so are, are you a dunker yes a bet you a dunker yes excellent that's all we need to know anyone fancy a digestive a chocolate five legend Dave Beaton talking hot beverages and bickies there so let's move on now to one of our musical sections of the show. It was Have You Heard, but we're now doing it as Artists of the Month, but it's still going to be tied in with a kind of Have You Heard, because we're going to not be picking big, big names. We had Father Son for January, and we're going to feature an artist in February that we have played before on the show a couple of times. He features on our, our Christmas show, Cameron Barnes, this East 5 Connections there. We've spoken about that before. And he's got a a new single out this week, Lee. So we thought it's ideal to kinda to bring Cameron as artist of the month and, and play his new single, which is an absolute cracker, and features the metal pike band.
2: Yeah, it does, and you want to know what? It's even better that we're going to pick this as our first song, because I think it ties in greatly with these five side of things and the fact that it's the Methyl pipe band. We've got a five fan on, and look, I've made no secret about it. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Cameron. I think he's excellent, um, and yeah, I'm really excited to bring this one to you. Slightly different um, in terms of the type of song it is, and we might get slated for playing this one. I'll be interested to see the fan reaction. But I know Kerry Ann a- Patterson's going to like it. Yeah, Kerry and Patterson will absolutely love it. This will probably be one of the first bits of feedback that we've had from on the show. But um, yeah, so we're going to get the latest song that Cameron's released. And it's a cover from The Greatest Showman. And it's called From Now On. And it's from Cameron Barnes and the Methyl Pipe and uh, District Pipe Band. And here it comes. Mm-hmm.
5: saw the sun begin to dim I felt to winter wind blow cold A man learns who's there for him When the glitter fades and the walls won't hold Cos from then rubble, what remains Can only be what's true If all was lost, it's more I gained Cause it let me back to you And from now on these eyes will not be blinded by the lights From now on What's waited till tomorrow starts tonight tonight and let us promise and me start like an anthem, and my heart from now on, from now
2: on. Hi, I'm Chris Dolman. I learned to play the pipes in the F1 district when I was eight. To this day, I still play the bagpipes in the British Army. I don't think any of that would be possible if it wasn't for the inspiration and the teachings of Barney.
5: I drank champagne with kings and queens, politicians praise my name. But those were someone else's dreams, from the pitfalls of the man I became. For years and years, I chased their cheers at the crazy speed of always needing more but when i stop and see you here
4: i remember
1: Cameron Barnes there, kicking off our Artist of the Month for February with a song from The Greatest Showman, which I've got to say, it's a film I actually really like. I do like
2: a good musical, Lee. I do not like that film. I, I, I don't mind a musical. My wife absolutely hates them. Like, honestly. Really? Yeah, detest them. Like, I am genuinely. More feminine than Rachel at times, you know. Like she has a toolkit and I don't. Um, <laughs> like I'm used to saying DIY. Like I do like musicals. I, I didn't like the Greatest Showman though. That wasn't. Ah.
1: No, I, I I liked that. I, I liked Jingle Jangle, the Christmas Netflix movie that they had. It was a, a musical thing as well. I thought that was wonderful. Yeah. I kind of miss getting to the the theatre and stuff. Whenever I've I've come over, I've always tried to have tag on a couple of days in London, go and see a Wimbledon game, go and see some shows in in the West End. So fingers crossed, I can get back to doing that well, soon. I
2: had tickets last year for um, Book of Mormon. Oh tickets for book of mormon in, in edinburgh last year and obviously the pandemic hit and i didn't get so hopefully get to that this year because i absolutely love trey parker and matt stone Um i think they're absolute geniuses and in, in the reviews that book of mormon's had have been amazing so yeah i've yeah. never
1: seen it. it's meant to be great i met them actually they did a show at the fringe one year and i met them afterwards and i got them to sign my south park video cover so it's framed oh, on in a, on my wall here
2: that's amazing it was goes, a f- you, Mike.
1: Yeah, it was a fantastic show But let us know what you thought of that Let us know what you think of Cameron Barnes We've got a few more songs to bring from him this month And we might even sit down and have a little chat with Cameron this month as well Just to chat about these five Connection and the songs that he's done so far But now it's time to empty our mailbag And we've both had bulging sacks this week, Lee
2: Yes, do you want to know what? Thank you like, honestly, thank you so much. It's been great to interact with you all this week. Um, there's been so much stuff coming through. Um, and definitely your, your question around the three games, the, the TARDIS question. Yeah. So I forwarded you the ones that I've had. Um, yeah. And I'll let you go into them, Michael. Yeah.
1: It, it's when we launch a, a new section. And as Lee said, Michael wants to launch another new section. It's like, we just have to find the right one to get the feedback. And this seems to have done it. And I actually did this section. I spoke to one of the White Cats players this past week. So I did the section with him. And you'll be pleased to know, Lee, that he actually picked one of your things, which a few folk have picked so far, which is this Man U game, the Champions League game. Everyone (laughs) seems to want to be at this Man U Champions League game.
2: Yeah, but you've got to appreciate Don't get me wrong. I could understand... And I watched the, the Liverpool game at Istanbul. That was, that was amazing. But when you support or like the team that is involved in it, I think because it was like bang, bang. It was like literally two goals at the back of each other, Solskjaer and Sheringham. You've gone from the, as low as you could go to high in, in two minutes. Um, it was, yeah, that that's it's bound to be up there. And judging from our, our hefty sack, there's been a lot of people that have picked that and Istanbul.
1: So we're going to kick things off with uh, an email that we got from Graham Donaldson, long-time East Fife supporter. And, and, listen, he, and a listener, of course, as well. He picked three excellent games here. East Fife related for all three of them, and they don't have to be remembered, but I, I like this because they were. So first of all, he'd love to see our 1949-50 League Cup win. So it was the second of our three League Cup wins because he feels that that East side... East Fife side from the 50s in, in terms of consistent league position anyway will probably never be bettered unless we get bought by a very rich businessman and he, he's right because we're in the top four of Scotland winning cups regularly and that was probably the pinnacle of East Fife and to, to see them play I was talking about maybe chatting to somebody from the 50s team but to, to actually be able to go back and see them play would just be a joy he says, seeing Henry Morris, Charlie Fleming, George Aitken, Alan Brown and Davey Duncan in the flesh would be incredible. As well as East Fife winning a national trophy at Hampden. And a 3-0 win over Dunfermline into the bargain too. That just is the icing on the cake. Now his second game, it would be from 1973. and This is a game I've read about before because there was some really dramatic stuff in this. It was a 2-2 draw with Celtic at Bayview. This is when his five were in the top flight, the last time that his five were in the top flight. He says, my dad went to this game when he was about 12 and every so often he will mention how amazing it was. It would be fantastic to relive that game and the atmosphere. Part of the reason that it's such an iconic game is Celtic missed three penalties that day. Ernie McGar saved two of them and one of the guys to to miss a penalty was Kenny Dalgleish. So, Graeme says, just to see Dalgleish missing a penalty at Methil would just be phenomenal. But to see a side miss three penalties, and a big side like Celtic as well, the champions, it, I mean, that's just a, an iconic game from, from that team's kind of period. And the Let me fact-
2: cast you back, Michael. And maybe some of our listeners can remember this, but I seem to remember playing Rovers at Bayview. And did Willie McCulloch not save two penalties? I
1: don't know. That doesn't ring any bells for me, but that's certainly not to say it's not the case.
2: I I might not have been the Rovers, but I remember being at a game, I'm sure William McCulloch saved two penalties, and I thought it was the Rovers. I could be wrong. Now that
1: you mention that, I do have a vague recollection of him saving two penalties in a game. I could not tell you who it was against, if it was the Rovers.
2: If you could tell us, that would be great.
1: Yeah, let's, let's do some research on that, but I definitely seem to remember him saving two penalties in a game. This third one that Grames picks more recent, it's from the 1996-97 season. This this is after uh, Steve Archibald had left, so we weren't having a good run, and we got a massive win, really. It's a 3-1 win over Falkirk at Bayview. Falkirk had Chris Waddle in the team, so he was like running the show for them. He remembers that Old Bayview was bouncing, it was only half full but it was absolutely bouncing and it got so much better when Benny Andrew scored the opener after maybe 7 or 8 minutes. Though Benny was a forward, I think he scored about 10 goals for the Fife, but my memory of that one is him taking a shot on either the volley or half volley and the ball rocketing into the top corner, my favourite East Fife goal by far. Me and a few other local 12-year-old hoodlums then spent the rest of the game shouting at Chris Wardle as much as possible. The high point being somebody scooping the ball away from Wardle's feet as he went to take a corner. Not sure the Rocksteady crew at Hamden would tolerate that. A great day and a real bright spot in an otherwise awful season. And, fun fact, that was the day that we filmed the stuff where they think it's all over the Cowden family sketch. Oh, there you go. So they had turned up for that they actually filmed the game so somewhere there is actual footage of that game kicking about in the bbc vaults and just to finish off with with graham he says just to cheat and talk about a fourth game what you said about going back to may 2003 and drinking it in really chimed with me too i remember that game in two portions the first 89 and a half minutes is a feeling a mixture of dread nerves and a touch of hope in the second portion, which of course is just about 5 minutes, I can still see Duker dinking it over the, the keeper in my mind's eye. I then celebrated so much, I elbowed one of my mates in the face. You're right Lee, to sit there, knowing what's about to come and then watch everyone's reaction would be just incredible. The noise and the Ang the English video always amazes me too, and it would be great to relive that. I don't think New Bay View has made a noise like it since. And as I keep saying, I actually have video footage of before the goal and after the goal so i have footage from in amongst the fans that no one's ever seen i've never seen it i've never watched it back so i need to get that off one of my eight millimeter vhs things and get that up there so that folk can see it
2: get your finger out
1: just to round off graham says during the first lockdown i bought myself a wee memento to remember the occasion and he attaches a photo it's a, a mug that you can get on eBay is a teletext thing, just with the score line. He says, weirdly that date, 10th of May, is also my wife's birthday, though I didn't meet her until the 2007-8 championship season. Thanks once again and keep up the good work, you're both a real tonic during this otherwise fairly shitey time. I didn't know I'd miss sitting in the freezing cold next to the 4th for two hours quite this much.
2: Thanks very much for that, Graham. That was a, a great email. and We appreciate the, the comments, but I know that's one that we've had a, a, a few of and since we've done the podcast that, that, that people have liked listening to us pair of monotone humans. But now we're really, really grateful for that. Um, I've got one and it's it's from my dad. So hello, dad. Um, You'll probably be one of the first people to download this on Sunday. I know you normally are. Um, he is talking about his three games. So he's gone for the 1938 Scottish Cup final um, so he's picked that one. He went. He's a big Liverpool fan, so he's gone for Istanbul, of course. Um, and he's not for his, He's picked the Eastern game when we won the league as his third one. But he's, he's also gone on to mention the Player of the Year dance that, the night that we we, um, we brought the cup. Back the third division. Yeah,
1: I I'd flown over for that last game and was there as well. That that's a night that will long live with me as well.
2: My, my dad said it was it was one of the best nights he's ever had, Um and you know I've I've spoken about it in this podcast before having Johnny Smart on one side, Bobby Lynn on the other, pouring all the different drinks into the cup and us drinking it. Yet. There's uh, that uh, you know that's a, a memory that will live with me forever. And yeah, I I, I can totally understand why my dad picked that one too.
1: Yeah, that's a fantastic one. We've had a few other ones as well, but we'll we'll save them. We don't want to do them all at once. We want to kind of keep this going over the the next couple of weeks. So that's two of the the selections. Keep them coming in. What three games would you jump in the TARDIS and go back and see? Doesn't have to be East Fife. Could be a game you've already witnessed that you just want to relive or a game that you've never seen and you've just heard about. It's certainly proved a popular one. I'm going to start it in in more over here. I'm going to start asking some of the players here and we'll ask some of these Fife players when we we get them on as well as to to what they would pick, so it's going to be one of our our new sections, I'm probably going to have to try and get some kind of music for it, could just go with the Doctor Who theme or the Time Lords Doctoring the TARDIS or the Time
2: Warp, there's another musical one
1: yeah, I don't want to go with the Time Warp (laughs) (laughs) although the Rocky Horror music picture show, put those words together and you'll probably get the title of the film that that is another good musical, I, I do like that as well Gives me a chance to get my eye liner on and my stockings and suspenders.
2: Oh, no, Danny, that's, that's a thought that I don't want to have before I go to bed.
1: I should share some photos with you of me from my goth club days with my see-through mesh top.
2: I'll pass. Thanks, though.
1: I stumbled across that photo the other day, along with some photos from the 1996 Player of the Year dance. Pictures of me with Scotty. Steve Archibald holding up a copy of the fanzine. I need to get those scanned and, and put out somewhere. Actually they might already actually be on somewhere on AFTN in our, our old photo section. So I'll, I'll have a look for that.
2: You were meant to share the picture of me with Stevie Nicholas, which I've still been wanting to see.
1: Oh, I've I've never shared that with you. Right. I'll get that to you, along with the link to the East Fife name the twenty-three Biz. players from that squad. Yeah. I did share the Ewan Donaldson eBay links yep. with you because I found a second one that was cheaper than the £3 that we talked about so it's up for 99 right. p so somebody can snap that up if they want.
2: I sent it a long
1: time <laughs> I just so want to buy it I have to get sent out and the guy's like I'm sending it to you and Donaldson <laughs> <laughs> it's like that old Yellow Pages advert where the guy's trying to track down his own book that might be one for the older listeners anyway that is it for, for the mailbag unless you, you have anything outside that topic that you want to talk about
2: no, for, the only thing that I was going to say is is I'm on the hunt for all these five strips um, and I'm going to try and put together, I'm going to try and do a sort of make a match because we've had a lot of people mention to us that they're looking to get their hands on some of the retro kits, particularly since we had the Donata episode, I've had a, a lot of messages. So I've put up a post and if anybody's got any old kits sitting in the loft collecting dust, there are people that listen to the show that want to buy them so just ping me an email with a picture of which one one it is and we'll see if we can find a buyer for you
1: yeah if they're medium or large and I haven't got them I'll definitely take take them off your hands if you want to give them away free even better but we are prepared to pay Um, so yeah check out East 5 Memories there's a post in that Facebook group as well that Lee put up so there's been a a bit of a response to that so if you try to track down some of the old kits that's a good place to start because there's a a few guys looking to, to get rid of stuff I've got all mine now hanging up now that I've sorted out my spare room. So Once it's a little bit warmer weather again, I'll start wearing them on the podcast. Now that helps because it's for radio. As I was demonstrating on my show last week where I was trying to visually show the listeners what they could win in a competition that I was giving away. And then my co-host pointed out, "Why why are you going to all this bother of making sure the scarf's the right way up and no one can actually see this? I was like, oh yeah, that's true. Anyway... We'll just round off tonight's show with this week's Wavelength and we're doing something a a little bit different in that we're actually going to bring you a chat with the the guy behind the song. So the song in question is called Three O'Clock on a Saturday by Glasgow-based band Eisenhowers and I'll tell you a little bit more about it after we speak to lead singer Raymond Weir. (laughs) So I'm delighted to be joined now on the show by the man behind the song three O'clock on a Saturday." He's the singer-songwriter behind the band Eisenhower's. We're going to talk about the song. We're going to talk about his career. We're going to talk about football. Welcome to the show, Raymond Weir. Thanks for having me on, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for for doing this. We're going to just get into the the, the song in a sec, but be- before we start that, we had a little bit of chat before we we're recording, but. We've got to talk about football support. um We discussed I'm an East Fife fan, a Vancouver Whitecaps fan. You're going to be on both of our podcasts. And I, I was asking you who you supported, and there's no no team as such. So, so tell us about you, your love of football.
0: I, I guess the love of football. If you grew up in the west of Scotland, it's almost compulsory if, <laughs> for a wee guy to, to get into football and to be introduced to football. So at various times uh, through teenage years, at one point I might have thought I was a Celtic supporter for a while. Then I might have thought I was like a Hibs supporter or a Dungeons supporter. But I realised that I didn't really feel passionate about any particular team. I just enjoyed football. And I think, as as we were saying before we started the podcast, I think the, the, the thing that motivate, motivates me as a football fan as far as you know, getting worked up about results and stuff, is it I like to see underdogs winning. I like to see, in Scottish football, in one sense, it's pretty boring because it's essentially it's two teams that are way ahead of everyone else. And it's been even worse the last 10 years or so where Rangers been off this scene; It's been a monopoly. Um, and that gets really dull. And I, I like the idea. I mean, I've been very fortunate. In the last four or five years, um, I've been to Hampton to see different teams winning the Cup. I saw Underness winning the Cup. Um, I saw Hearts winning the Cup. I saw... St. John's winning a cup—that was actually Celtic Park—and it's great to see so-called provincial teams coming up now and again and, and winning trophies. That's that's the thing that gets me excited, uh, rather than you know following any particular team. Apart from the Scottish national team, I get quite worked up about Scotland, um, uh, and obviously it's very exciting at the moment because we've qualified for a tournament for the first yes. time in 22 years. My my son, my, my, my son Liam was actually born uh, in 1998, <laughs> uh, and I was actually in France for that World Cup. I went, I went, oh. uh, I went over for a week. Um, and it was short. I was over two weeks before Liam was born. I was over, and they tried to get tried to get to the Scotland Norway game at Bordeaux. But the team was overrun by Scots, and I had no chance of getting a ticket. But we, we just being there for the experience was fantastic. But he's my, my son's a big football <coughs> big football fan, and he's always said, "I'll never see Scotland qualifying for a tournament." And to experience uh, winning the penalty shootout against Serbia with him was just fantastic because he was he's he was in cloud now. He, he never thought he would ever see Scotland playing a, a major tournament because I, I tell him, oh, when I was younger, Scotland used to qualify for the World Cup all the time. That was just what we did. Um, so it's great to see the, the national team getting a wee bit of a revival again.
1: Yeah, I think we are kind of off a similar age. I'm 52 now. Mm. So it's like we grew up watching Scotland automatically qualify. And it's yeah. like, it's... you you took it for granted almost yeah. and for, for World Cups the Euros never so much for some weird reason but the World Cup you, you took it for granted I've got all these souvenirs from back in different World Cups the only World Cup I've ever been to was the 94 one in America which was the oh, one wow. that Scotland weren't at they we didn't make it yeah. uh, and that's how we got tickets we got it through the SFA travel club because folk didn't want them so we were like mm-hmm. hey let's go to America I'd never been abroad before Mm-hmm. So I've never got to see us at a tournament. And yeah. the World Cup's going to be in North America in 2026. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. 48 teams, surely. Yes, surely. Scotland's got to be one of 48 teams to, to get to a World Cup.
0: Yeah, well, we, we we said that in the last Euros. The Euros are up to 24 teams. Surely we'll be one of the 24. And we didn't make it. We've got yeah. three this time, so I know, yeah, I
1: we're mean, very excited about that. I, it was interesting hearing you talking there about going to watch those cup finals at Hamden? that was the provincial teams. Because if you read the Scottish media, they'll always say to you, basically, without, like, reading between the lines, no one really cares about it. When Like, this final that's coming up, the old firm's not in it. And it's like, the interest's not going to be there. The broadcasters are probably going to hate it because it's like they've got rights to show this and there's no Celtic and Rangers. To me, that's a proper cup final. That's what cup football should be about. Yes, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And when, when it, one of our best days out, I think football we went to Hibbs Kelly League Cup. I can't remember what year it was, but Hibs on five one and I remember that. I think John Collins was the manager and uh, the atmosphere that day was absolutely phenomenal. You thought, This phenomenal you just thought this is really what Two it, it, communities supporting their teams are about. You know, there was never you, you never felt there was an edge at all to any of it. You know, there wasn't you know, the any threat of fights between the supporters. It was just a, a packed stadium, and although Kamar not got a doing, the fans were there right at the end singing. And uh, yeah, I, I love those kind of occasions, or you know, sometimes even better if one of the provincial teams can beat Celtic Rangers in a final. <laughs> it's sweet when that happens as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, as an East Five fan. Like, our our big period of success was, like, we won the Scottish Cup in 38 and then the League Cup three times. couple right, of League Cups, of eh? yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I missed mm-hmm. all that. We've yeah. got a section on our show that we've started talking about if we could go back in the TARDIS, what games would you want to see? And obviously, they're the automatic games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, all this chat brings me perfectly, really, to, to your song, Three O'Clock on a Saturday, because it's mm-hmm. described as a, a love letter for Scottish football. And it, it's really... It evoked a lot of emotion in me, which I uh, I think that's that's what songs are made for. And before I wax lyrical about it, like tell us what was behind it. why did you pen that song? Well, the the music
0: came first and the music was completely accidental because it's a dead basic thing. It's like C, E minor, D. It's three very basic chords. And I only played that because I was testing a bit of software on the laptop. I, brought, I bought a new bit of software and I thought, right, I'll do a wee doodle in here and see what happens. And I just started playing around with the piano. I thought, oh, that's quite nice. That's got a nice feel to it. And I started adding things. And I shelved it because I thought it will be a song at some point. But I can't think what it is. It sounds a bit melancholy and all the rest of it. So I'd had it lying about for a couple of years, not doing anything, but I'd recorded pretty much a a lot of the backing. And and then I thought, I I, I had the idea that it should be something that's kind of spoken word. I didn't feel like I wanted to sing all the way through it. I thought, maybe something spoken word. What would be the subject of a spoken word song? And I I just had that idea in the back of my head. And um, I'd started, there was was a year, uh, me and my son, we started going to, what we'd sometimes do was go to lots of games in the Scottish Cup so pick a game each round and I'd started I think we'd started at Edu Sport Academy then we went. I think it was three Rovers down in Castle Douglas then it was Annan and then I think it was Dunfermline after that and as we started doing that I was doing a wee bit of blogging about it as well just writing about the experience of it and then I thought of course a spoken word thing would be Scottish food. I'd be talking about Scottish football what would that be and then once that idea kicked in it, it almost wrote itself uh, Michael I, I just thought right the verses have to say something about the venues of Scottish football, the the places, not only the places that I've watched football and I've loved, the places I'd like to visit and and places that I know to be romantic just by the the name. Um, So the, the, the technical challenge then was... First, I wanted to do something with the names of the grounds, so I wanted it to sound kind of poetic and evocative. But I also wanted a singing part that was going to say something about, well, why are you doing this? What, what, what is? Why do people go to football? So I, it took me a wee while to think of lines that would sit, that would try and say something, and ended. I ended up coming up with something that I thought was reasonably satisfying about hopes and dreams coming out to play, and you know the, the hope and aspiration that people have when they go to football, because. Uh, yeah, people, there's all sorts of reasons why people go. They go, you know, sometimes they go for the high farce and the comedy, but there's a lot of boredom that goes with it as well. I've been to games where I've been bored at my for and then a dog runs across the park, and that's the highlight of the day. But that's that's all part of the football experience. Um, so yeah, w- once once I got the idea that that I wanted, the, we were going to use the the, the names of the stadium. I just thought, right, okay, right. I just all I need to do now is come up with some words that will be sung that will explain the idea why we're rhyming off the names of all these football grounds. It was a huge. I mean, it was a very big technical exercise getting all those people to record it, and then to try and get it to sit together in the track and yeah. moving it by a fraction of a second to sit on the beat and all this kind of stuff. Uh, that was a big challenge getting all that done, but I, I think it worked out pretty well.
1: It certainly did, I, and it does capture kind of like the romanticism of lower league Scottish football. Like if you take yeah. the the big ones out of it, hearing you. List off all, all those grinds Some of them that are no longer with us Some of them that are, are non-league well, uh, I don't know if
0: you notice it the, the the ones that are no longer with us Are all left for the last verse. That was the point of As the song faded out I wanted the echoes of Brockville And Broomfield and Love Sheep oh, To fade out That was the I, I thought you might have spotted that Being a football fan but No that's that, Do you know the, that the, never cl- It never clicked Yeah but... they all come at the end Because it's, these are all lost to us now These yes. these are venues are no more So I wanted that to be The kind of sad fade out But so,
1: yeah. I mean, a couple of things that that struck me about it, and and like how it captures like lower league Scottish football, non-league Scottish football, is but when you're listing all those things and like Bayview gets a yeah. mention for East Fife, it's like proper football ground names. It's not like like you couldn't do a song like that and it'd be like but you couldn't
0: say the Tony Macaronis, yeah.
1: I, like I, don't, here, I didn't
0: want to name any. I didn't want to use any sponsors' stadium. I have nothing against clubs if they, they need the money and if they need a sponsor for the stadium, that's fine. But I didn't want to advertise. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the in the song, I wanted the, the the proper names of old old school stadiums.
1: I think that's what makes it, because like over here, there's hardly anything. Actually, the White Cats probably play at one of the only unbranded stadiums, but that's been a government issue that the government oh, own right. it, and there's been. Things like that, so they play at a place called BC Place for British Columbia. But everyone else, is like the Mercedes Benz Stadium. You can't have stuff like that in a song. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't feel like that. But the, yeah, where's the th- romance
0: in that? Where's the romance? Oh yeah.
1: But the other thing as well, like three o'clock on a Saturday. So to fans like myself, it, it was that was your religion. You turned up at three o'clock on a Saturday, home and away. Yeah. You went to see games. Like twelve thirty on a Sunday afternoon doesn't no. work in a song. So no. it's like it's stuff like that that really kind of for me just ticked all the boxes and and just captured it and it seems to have had a really good reaction from what i've seen online as well lots of folk are loving it
0: yeah yeah i'm I'm hearing through the grapevine that that, the this the bbc might be interested in using it at some point as it comes up because i think the first anniversary is coming up right about 12 30 the match of the stadium's been closed because there was there was a period between the song being recorded and the video being made. Because the song, I wanted to do the song regardless. So the, the song got finished. We thought, right, let's do a video to go away. And we're trying to think, what would the video look like? And then we hit upon the idea that, well, we want to say something about the situation we're in now where people are mm-hmm. essentially locked out of the grounds, can't get in. And so we wanted to make it something, it, it capture that sense of loss of supporters. Because that's why they all walk up to the stadium and they put their seat down and they look in. To the empty ground because it's making a statement about we need this week. This is this is something really important. These rituals are very important to us. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's coming up to the first anniversary of people being locked out, and I've, I've heard that they might be interested in using it at halftime in one of the championship games. I think so. I'm keeping my fingers crossed because that'd be oh. that'd be nice to get it on
1: the telly. Oh, it would. I mean, and it's made for that. And like, funnily enough, like the day that we're recording this, a year ago, I was in Scotland. And today I was at Bayview watching East Five play Dumbarton. The wow. day that I flew home was the day that London got its first coronavirus case. And then you just see what's happened in, in the year since. Yeah. And it's just absolutely incredible. But yeah. Yeah, th- let's talk about the video. Okay. It's it's like magnificent. It's like seeing everybody outside, sitting down, looking into their empty stadiums. It really tugs at your heartstrings because yeah. I know from us doing our East Five show... So many folk are missing the football, and they're struggling because they haven't got that kind of normalcy into their yeah. into their life. So, what was behind the video? No,
0: the, well, the, the video we wanted. Uh, my son directed the video. He's. Um, and I, 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 I suggested the idea to him. We, we knew we were going to do a video for it, and we thought originally we'd, we'll we basically just go in the greens and we'll film outside capolo and we'll film outside here. But kind of kind of stuck because we were based in the rest of Scotland, so they all had to be local to us because mm. of you know, lockdown conditions and all the rest of it. Um, and then we thought that well, we need a hook to hang it on. What's the hook? And then. Uh, it came to me uh, that that would be the hook that the 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 people in the video wouldn't just go to the stadium and look in. They would make some statement, so they would come up with the idea of the chair, they would take a, very deliberately take a chair and sit down and they would make a point of sitting outside the stadium and, and you know look longingly into it. So it's all basically family members that were roped into it. Um um and my 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 grip my, man my, Grandson, my first grandchild, Noah, appears in it. He's, he's now five months old, but he appears in it with my daughter and my, my son-in-law, Jamie. They they, they they go to Barton uh State, which is a lovely stadium oh, yeah. very picturesque setting beautiful yeah. setting and you could probably tell but the, the, um, you may be able to tell from the light it was filmed mm, i think it was late september mid septemberish i think they filmed that but it was depending on people being available and lockdown conditions being okay and being able to drive somewhere and so it took us a wee bit to pull it together but i think i think the end result was worth it
1: oh absolutely it for for me watching it was great because the stadiums I've been to in it, and then the sta- like some of the non league ones, like I think was it Largs was one of the st-
4: yeah Largs was one of them
1: yeah. Um, it's like stadiums I've not been to, and I was like, oh, that's a cracking old fashioned football ground yeah. as well. And yeah. yeah. But I mean, in the current lockdown thing, I mean, as as a musician, it's obviously I imagine it's it's been tough for you just now, kind of doing lockdown stuff
0: yeah um normally when you you bring out a, a, an album even if your ambitions are modest even if you're basically trying to sell 100 cds or whatever previously you would have had you know gigs and pubs and stuff like that because they that's a good way to sell you know if you if you play a half decent gig then yeah there's a, a reasonable chance that some people at the pub you may you may sell five or six copies that night on a good night you may sell 20 you know if you play really well and you've got a decent crowd all those avenues are closed off at the moment so um uh, yeah, it's, it makes it a bit harder to promote it. Not impossible to promote it, and uh, and I think I was as I was saying to you before. I think we started recording. It's it, it would be nice to go out and 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 promote it in live venues, um, but uh, if, if that option's off the table, it's not it's not a deal breaker. I, I like writing songs and recording songs, so I would do that anyway, whether I could go out and play them or not. Uh, it would be nice to have the option, but if the option's not there, I still do it anyway. So.
1: Well, I mean, just to round things off, let's quick chat about your your actual musical career because this is under the the band Eisenhowers, which I know this from your band camp, you say it's more like a collective than a a band per se, but it's the third album by the band. It's available on Bandcamp. Judge a Man by The Company He Keeps. And I listened to to the whole album, actually listened to some of the stuff on the other ones as well. And songs are so different from each other as well. And there's... Captures a lot of the music that I love growing up, the kind of sound effect of like Elvis Costello, about yeah, Squeeze, yeah. XTC, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about the musical career and and the band that that you've had up to now. Okay, I've
0: been I've been in lots of bands and 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 all you know it. it it's... Various points been flirting with, with, with bits of success, but going back to you, I mean, it's similar to the, the when we were talking about not supporting a football team. I think one of the reasons that the the Eisenhower albums have got different influences on it is because, I, I personally, I, I love all kinds of music and. Um, I wanted the freedom to write songs. And if this one sounds a bit like Steely Dan or this one sounds a bit like David Bowie or this, you know, I'm happy with that. I don't I, I don't want to say, well, it's a band template because I've played in bands before where there's kind of band template and mm. the guitarist has to do his thing and the bass player has to do his thing. What I've got is a whole bunch of musicians, musician friends, and it's basically me writing songs and thinking, right, what's the best thing for this song? So the song's always the most important thing. So I just want so- the songs to sound good. And if they go off in slightly different directions, that's fine. Um, but it's, 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 it's kind of indulgent The last band I was in There was a band called Gum I was in maybe about 26, 28, uh, 29, 2010 Around right about then We released a couple of albums And I was really just The keyboard player and the producer There was a female uh, front person And I was a co-writer on it And that was a very different Kind of discipline And it was satisfying In a lot of ways But ultimately as a songwriter You want to be in charge of everything <laughs> you, want to, you want to direct the traffic So this is my kind of It's a kind of I suppose a vanity project Or a, a hobby project I just record lots of stuff and um, from time to time put out albums. Um, So there'll be another, uh, there's another one that's going to come out in Bandcamp and then within the next couple of months, which is stuff that didn't make it onto this album because I recorded 35 songs or something. So there'll be a kind of B-side album, but there's a new album coming um, probably mid-2021. I've got lots of stuff.
1: Fantastic. Well, I recommend everyone uh, to check out Bandcamp, the Eisenhowers. Last thing as well, just talking about like special projects. When I was doing research for this and just had a, a quick check a, a, about you and the band, I I find out all the stuff about the album that you did for your dad, AC where Yeah. First album coming out as a seventy-seven-year-old, and that it kind of it really tugged at me because the reason I was back home a year ago is my mum had gone into a home with dementia. Oh, right, so okay. I'd, I was going home and sorting all that stuff out. So. I know after it was recorded, your dad got diagnosed sadly with, with dementia. But tell tell our listeners a little bit about what that album is.
0: It's 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 probably the, the my favourite bit of music ever to work on is to work on an album of my dad's songs, and it was one of these kind of eureka moments because my dad was one of these. Yes, I mean he's, he's still alive although he's got dementia. Um, he, he's one of these guys he, he played at family parties and stuff like that but wouldn't, he, he would never do a gig he would never go and play in a pub or anything like that. it was just the guitar came out at family parties and you know he'd sing along and usually not the main vocals but he, he did like to sing but I knew he had a whole bunch of songs that he'd written so this was just common knowledge in the family and occasionally he would, you know, I would hear him playing tapes and stuff like that and it, it was, I was over it was like a couple of years ago and then, you know when he got to the age of 76, 77 and my mum wasn't well at that time and it just occurred and I thought, God, I wonder how long I'm going to have mum and dad for. And God, oh, that's I need to rec- why have I not thought of this before? We need to get dad into the recording studio. So it took me a wee while to persuade him because he's such a modest and unassuming man. that He, he thought, oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. It's so like blowing your own trumpet. And I said, well, who else is going to blow your trumpet, dad? These are your songs. So we, we dug out a bunch of old tapes and I picked a bunch of songs. I recruited some musician friends, got them into the studio. Thinking this, my dad's idea was, oh, we'll just have maybe 10 or 20 CDs that we can give out to members of the family. And that would have been fine. But once we'd record that, I started thinking, these songs are really good. And the production and everything's really good. It's well put together. I knew it was, good. It was a decent quality product. So I emailed a couple of record companies, Scottish record companies, saying, look, here's a project. My dad's just been diagnosed with dementia. These songs have been written over a period of about 50 years. They've now been recorded properly in the recording studio. I think it's an interesting story in and of itself, but I think the material's good, and he's my dad. If you're interested, here's my blah, blah, blah address. And within a couple of days, um, Green Track Records, Green Track Records, a Scottish record label, emailed me back and said, Love it, love the stuff. We want to put this out. And my dad got an album out. He's at, at the age of seventy-seven. We got I got we, I got on um, me and my brother went on Radio Scotland to talk about it. Uh got a feature in it was either the record or the mirror, I can't remember, one of the Scottish newspapers uh, did a did a feature on it and he got airplay. But perhaps the greatest moment of the whole thing, I was in town, I was in the centre of Glasgow one day doing some shopping and I went into HMV records and I thought, oh look in the hmv look at the scottish section and there in the scottish section was my dad's album. so i took a picture of it and sent it to him say "Dad, your albums in hmv and he's i mean i went to see him that night and his face he just had a huge smile on his face the, the whole time it would, it would have been nice uh, from for to be able to promote that with some live stuff but realistically my dad what well, he's, he's such a shy man he would never have done it mm-hmm. plus his condition has started to kick in so he has good, well, you'll know from your experience with your mum, there's days when it's fine and then there's other days where he's in dementia world and doesn't make much sense but it was fantastic to actually uh, celebrate a lifetime of uh, music, you know, and pull it all together like that and it's, I've got up in his wall, I've got a framed, uh, uh, we blew up the album cover into a big poster and he's got it up on his wall just to remind him that, you know, you've got an album, your album was out, people bought it and it was played on the radio, he still gets PRS checks in, uh, oh, the, really? the first, aye, the, the first one you get in was a belted. It was for like nine hundred pounds or something like that because he was getting quite a bit of play on uh, BBC radio. Now they're more modest. I mean, you get a check, you get thirty four quid or whatever. But it's still a show. Every time you get a PRS team, I say, Dad, look, 30, Look, some somebody in Plymouth radio played your song, and someone in Manchester radio, and it's great. It's absolutely great, Michael. It's, it's, and it's definitely, definitely the most fun I think I've I've had. And and obviously there's a it's really poignant
1: and emotional yeah working it's, on your dad's stuff a beautiful legacy to to have off him as well and it's one of those things if you hadn't done it and then this happened you'd be like yes we should have yes. done it we should have done it yeah. and it's like it, it's fantastic i recommend folk to, to check that out as well i was nominated for scottish album of the year and it's just it's a it's just such a a lovely story
0: and the reason it's out as AC Weir is it didn't want my dad's name's Alex, and I said right, we'll put it, and he goes, no, I don't want to use my own name, I don't want to use my own name, was, right? So that was a compromise. <laughs> we out. Like, we'll be AC because Cameron is his middle name. AC Weir, he goes right, okay, we will can live with that. <laughs> oh,
1: it's
0: out on it's on Green Track Records. It's called um, This Has Been Me since yesterday, which is a very Glaswegian phrase.
1: Yeah, so yeah, folks, check that out as well. And it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you t- today, Raymond. Thanks for say, having me on, Michael. Genuinely love the song when I when I heard it. Thought, oh, I've got to have a chat with you about this. So, just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online, where they can get your stuff online.
0: They they can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, and and probably Bandcamp's a good place to start because you can you can stream it and then you can decide whether you want to buy it. It's it's the Eisenhower's on Bandcamp. Yeah, there's, there's lots of stuff. There's, there's, there's three albums up there just now and there'll be more stuff following over um, going up over the next couple of months.
1: So um, definitely check that out and check out all the other stuff as well. We'll tweet it out on our social media channels and yeah, good luck with it. Fingers crossed that it does get picked up for the, the BBC to use as well because I think it definitely is worth it and it's it's the perfect song for football lockdown. So thank you so me. much and good luck with it.
0: No, thank you, Michael.
1: So that was Raymond Weir there, lead singer of Glasgow-based band Eisenhowers. So the Eisenhowers have a new album out. It's available on Bandcamp, so you can check that out, have a little listen beforehand, and then you can pay to get it downloaded. It's called Judge A Man by The Company He Keeps. And the last track on it, and the first single from it, is a football-based song. Name checks a a lot of football grounds in Scotland, including Bayview. It's called Three O'Clock on a Saturday. So let's hear that right now.
4: Park,
2: Celtic Park, Borough Briggs,
4: Broadwood, Danes
2: Park, Recreation Park,
5: Christie Park, Netherdale, Brigalee Hampton Park. Park, Clifton Hill, Mossett Park,
1: Duncansfield, Fourth
5: Bank, Hagen Park,
4: Beechwood Park,
5: Ibrox Park. Pitotry.
4: Far Hill. Capital. Titan Castle. Redamid Park. Gatefield. days Where your dreams can come out to play. Mm. And where hope is the key. Mm. At three o'clock. They make you memories at three o'clock on a Saturday. That's
2: when we'll see. Wintonly, Balmore,
4: Victoria Park,
2: Lynx
5: Park,
4: Park Park,
5: Newlands Field, Preston Field,
4: Field Field.
1: Wilmsworth Park, Rugby Park,
4: Bucklefield, <laughs> Harlow Park,
1: Steer Park, Princess
0: Royal Park, The County Pier, Guy's Meadow,
4: Somerset Park,
5: Bellsdale Park,
4: McKissick Park,
5: New Tinto Park, Grant Street,
4: Bayview, Easter Road where your dreams can come back to play and where hope is the key at three o'clock on a saturday that's when Three o'clock on a Saturday Park, Broomfield,
5: Love Street, Brockville, Glowdy Green,
4: Fresh Hall, Boghead, Shawfield, Anfield,
5: First Park, Kilburnet. Douglas Park. Adams Lee Park. Kingsmill no Park.
1: Eisenhower's there, three o'clock on a Saturday, a great football song to add to my Wavelength catalogue, hope you enjoyed it, it's not punky, it's very different to a lot of the other football songs that we play, and just talking about Lee, every football fan, three o'clock on a Saturday, it means something special to them, and it's been taken away from us with with the pandemic, and we're all just craving for it to come back, but is it going to be as good as we remember, is it going to be the same as, as we remember? That's, I guess, what we're going to find out in the, the coming months.
2: Yeah, but you want to know what? I'm chomping at the bit to get back um, and be surrounded by fellow diehards. Um, and do you want to know what? It'll be the first time when we get back and we're all out then. It'll be the first time since we've done the podcast too. So it'll be great to maybe speak yeah. to some people in um, person that have been listening.
1: Yeah, that's very true. There's, there's I mean, there's some folk we've sadly lost during this that that we won't see sitting there, but there's going to be people, like, even the guys that annoy you, you're going to be glad to see them back, because you, you even miss that. It's like, yeah, he's a right money bastard, but you know what, mate? I'm really glad to see you. And
2: I, ch- I haven't missed today's podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Check out the video as well for that Eisenhower song, because it's it'll bring a tear to your eye. It's just fans going to the local stadium, so Dumbarton's and it, Pollock, some some local... Non-league things as well. And they're just bringing their chairs and they're putting it outside the stadium, just looking through the, the holes in the gate that they can look just to kind of see their stadium. We all miss it. We all want to get back soon. Hopefully that the, the vaccines are going to do the business and by the end of the year, we can get back. I'm targeting coming over in December, vaccines pending, to see my, my folks hopefully get to a game, maybe get a chance to take up the hospitality that we've got from sponsorship as well. So... Crossing fingers, everything will be back by December at the very latest, and we'll we'll get back to that. But that is it for this week's show. Just before we go, Lee, let everyone know where they can find you online.
2: Best place is Twitter. You can find me there at leeg nineteen o three.
1: You can find me on Twitter, Michael McCall at aft in Canada. Also, aft in website, aft in Canada is the the best one to get hold of me. Shoot me an email as well if you want to get hold of me at. AFT in Canada at Hotmail.com. You can get in touch with the show at Glory Days of Gold on Twitter or send us an email as well, GloryDays of Gold at gmail.com. We always want to hear from you. Our mailbag is still open. We want to hear your all time greats. We want to hear your memories of going to away days, Hard Men, what games you'd go back in time for. There's a whole load of things to talk about. Start a new section yourself if you want. We always are, are keen to do that. But that is it for this week's show fingers crossed next week we'll be back talking about a firm return date for East Fife until then thanks for listening take care and more Fife
3: going to your first match is an experience you never forget the atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go wow I'd love to play here one day you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.